Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning and welcome into the Opening Drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. Matthew Rocchio is here. Randy Carricker is not. I don't know what he's doing. You know what? He told us what he told us the temperature yesterday and told us it's going to be 70 and 70 in November (laughs) usually means Randy Carricker is going to find his way to a golf course. So. I'm sure he's he'll end up there some at some point today. That's what he's doing today. A hundred percent. He's probably getting yeah, ready yep, yep. bright and early this morning to go hit the golf course. And I don't blame him because this is so weird. This yeah, time of year, yeah. CD, this type of weather. My sinuses, your sinuses are it's acting bad. up. My sinuses yep. are acting up. If there's any dramatic shift in the weather weather from hot to cold, hot to cold, I'm you, I'm done. You know what's worse though? The, the the house or the, the home that you live oh. in when it goes from extremely cold to extremely hot and you don't know whether to turn the air on or turn <laughs> the heat on and you're trying to figure it out and you're one day I was just in the house sweating yeah. I'm like you know what it's 85 degrees in here but tomorrow <laughs> it's gonna be 48 so I'm just gonna sit it out and hopefully I make it Amarin has to love oh, these bills goodness. that are about to be coming out to people I, here I soon won't, I won't do it I won't give them that I won't give them that that, that feeling of, of greatness I'm just gonna leave <laughs> it off and Deal with it. (laughs) We got a great show today. You can check us out on the Air Alliance Team Studio Cams on YouTube. See Brooke's lovely face. See my lovely face. See Rock's lovely face when we are. are You can see it. Show us your face. We can see that. We have Greg Amzinger coming up at 7:30. At 8:15, we'll have Hall of Famer Bernie Federico. At 9:15, we'll have our great friend and the athletic writer Jeremy Rutherford joining us. Make sure you get your texts in for sick of it at 7:15, so we can uh, hear what's bothering you all today and Brooke the Blues have another game tonight and they play the San Jose Sharks puck drops at 6:30 central time pregame on 101 ESPN at 8:30 you can check it out what do you feel, Brooke? How do you feel about this team going into San Jose tonight? Well, you have to feel good, right? You have to be pretty happy with where the Blues are at right now. Now, I understand the hesitancy because I'm even a little hesitant itself myself. Mm-hmm. I want to enjoy the nice thing right now that the Blues are doing well. It seems like they have really come together more as a group. Jordan Bennington even said that in his postgame comments the other night. They are all, they're all really clicking together right now. The top six looks a lot more well-balanced with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo being split up. I was telling you guys, I didn't know exactly how to feel about that, if that was going to be a good idea or not. But then I thought the explanation when we were talking yesterday about it just makes a lot of sense. One, when you had that top line with Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, and Pavel Buchnevich, it was really easy for the other defenses, if you're a good defense in the NHL, which, I mean, if you're in the NHL, I hope that you're pretty good at your job. It's easy to identify that line 
line and shut them down. Yeah. By splitting up Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, you're able to really balance things out. And I think another catalyst with this is that you're starting to see Pavel Buchnevich start to break out more too, but he's not the only one. And I think that's the biggest thing right now is we're seeing a rejuvenated Pavel Buchnevich. I think uh, I think he's feeling a lot better. That's usually what a hat trick does. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's he's feeling a lot better. He's looking a lot better, and not that he wasn't looking good earlier, but uh, just more relaxed and calm. And um, obviously, he's making a ton of great plays right now. So, uh, comes with that confidence. He does look a lot more confident right now. A happy Pavel yeah. Buchnevich is a happy Blues team. We've discussed this even going into the season that we felt like Pavel Buchnevich could really be a big part of the engine that drives the Blues offense. And when he gets going, it seems like the rest of the guys get going too because he's just everywhere out there on the ice. Definitely is, and he's been doing a great job. One of the the you, you needed that from him for this team to start going in the right direction. You know, splitting that lineup with what did you say with Kairu Thomas and Buchnevich, everyone has been thriving. Thomas talked about how they've been thriving without. The three of them on the same line as well. Yeah, just different looks. I think um, you know Shenner's been playing really well, so he's been he's been getting them a lot of chances, a lot of puck touches in good areas. So um, just, just a different look. I mean, um, you know, depending on matchups who you're playing against, um, you know, one of us is going to have uh, a different look and uh, some more chances to score. So I think it's it's worked out really well. Yeah, just spreading out the love, getting those guys from away from each other and allowing them to have different shifts and not be on the same line. I think it's obviously worked well for the for the Blues, and they're all playing extremely well and, and at a high level. Um, you're looking at this team, and, and not only is the offense working, not only is the defense working, but Jordan Bennington has been standing on his head doing a, an outstanding job as well. Got a clean sheet, as Randy said oh, yesterday yes. uh, in the last start. So it's been um, it's been all working together for the St. Louis Blues in the last few games. Well, and Kerb said it this week that Jordan Bennington wasn't just the key recently in these games, but he's been the key for the Blues this season. Early on, when you look at those first eight games, the Blues were just 3-4-1, and one, right? And mm-hmm. they had just scored 15 goals. Since then, they've won their five of their last six games without scoring their opponents 27-12. to 12. That takes a lot of pressure off of Jordan Bennington. The block shots that you saw in that last game, nearly 26, or I think it was 26 block shots in that game alone, yep. takes a lot of pressure off and that was my concern early on this season is that we were relying a little bit too much on Jordan Bennington. Jordan Bennington couldn't be the one that bailed you out or kept you in every single game and now that's not the case. Well he definitely last season you know we we saw how many goals this team gave up and it felt like after every game you would say well Jordan Bennington played well you, you and you'd ask yourself <laughs> how the hell is that possible when they gave up five goals but you're mm-hmm. looking at a defense in front of them that wasn't doing as good of a job that wasn't blocking nearly as many shots and they they've really focused on keeping the puck out of the slot out of the just keeping it around on the point and making sure that those shots are coming from a distance and now we can block them we can stand in front of people and make sure that those shots aren't going in and and you talked about this earlier in the season I thought it was hilarious when you were saying you need parking there's always parking in front of the blues net right yeah you you can wide open space right there it's not it's not you're not gonna be charged a hefty amount just just park there and wait for a shot to go I think they've done a good job of moving people out of the way as well. So all of those things combined is allowing this team to have success. And I really just think, I mean, Colton Pareko, mm-hmm. he's really showing people, especially the he's not Chris Pronger people, that, that you were wrong. And surprise here, 
Chris Pronger was right. When we had him in and, he, and we asked him about that, he said, he's not me. He doesn't have to be me. Right. He covers an insane amount of ice, and there's a reason why him and Bo were so effective in the Stanley Cup run. And we talked about it more with Thomas yesterday on the offensive part about he him getting up the ice. But when Colton Pareko is healthy and he can cover and skate like he does, he Erases. He's Ed freaking Reed. Yeah. He erases a complete chunk of the ice for you to do effective things offensively, and that has been a huge part of the Blues being effective. Yes, he's not going to get the points, but there's no doubt in my mind Colton Prego's playing like a top-pairing defenseman legitimately 100% this season. And then we also saw the the offensive side with that pass from Thomas where he scored the goal, and, and mm-hmm. we talked to Thomas yesterday. We talked to Robert Thomas yesterday, and he was talking about how you know he passed it to him didn't think that Pareko was going to be able to get to it, but he's like, his stick, he's nine feet, his stick is nine feet long, so he was yeah. able to. Pareko made a great play on the on the puck and made a great goal. So you're not only getting the great defense, you're also getting the great offense and all of those things. Again, you've seen defensemen playing extremely well. He got that pass. It was a little far ahead of him. I didn't, forgot his stick was nine feet long. And <laughs> That is a big man. And I think that maybe that was sometimes the frustrations from fans is that people were expecting him to be like Chris yeah. Pronger because – Obviously, Chris Pronger is also a massive human being and very intimidating on the ice. And they're, I think, nearly or about the same height. Yeah. But I think Pareko really uses his body and his height in a different way. And that's not anything against him. Right. I think that you're seeing him, one, as you mentioned, CD, a lot healthier this season. Yes. But he also looks like he's not overthinking as much this season. It looked like that was something that was hindering him in the past. If he, It feels like he's not overthinking. He's able to really find the rhythm and flow of the game. Coming out of the defensive zone, I mean, he's just a one-man breakout. And you mentioned the offensive spark, not only from Colton Pareko this season, but Tori Krug, his game has really come along this season, too. It, it has. They've been playing outstanding. Uh, we'll see if they can continue you tonight in football news college football news number three Michigan is without a head coach and there will be a hearing tomorrow to see and decide whether or not Jim Harbaugh will be able to be on the sideline Heather Dinich had an thought on what could potentially take place so on Friday morning a judge at a court in Ann Arbor will hear arguments about whether or not to issue a restraining order that would nullify the three-game suspension from the Big Ten on coach Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh and Athletic Director Ward Manuel will be there and prepared and ready to speak if need be. The timing of it, it's going to happen on Friday morning, is all unclear as to how it unfolds. So whether or not Manuel and Harbaugh fly here to College Park, Maryland, for their game with the team remains to be seen. They could fly privately following the hearing. My understanding is that the judge does not have to issue a decision immediately in court at that moment. So the timing of a resolution still remains to be seen. Still remains to be seen. What will happen? What will take place? You know, I really felt like the suspension was a slap on the wrist. It wasn't as as bad or nearly as harsh as it could have been because obviously he could have been suspended for the entirety of the year. He could have, they could have been fined. Uh, He got a ban for just on Saturdays, not being allowed to coach, but he's still allowed to coach during the week, which as we know, that is one of the most critical parts. Game day decisions obviously make a make a huge difference, but the preparation is what really you want to be a part of and take place in. And so he's able to do that, but unable to coach on Saturday. And and we'll see. I think I, I think he may get. You know, it, it may be resolved. I think something interesting about that is is 
all the legal experts are all saying that the reason the Big Ten did that is because to get the TRO, the temporary restraining order, you have to prove that the punishment is overly harsh. Yes. And so mm. the Big Ten went went light on him so that they can essentially so that essentially that three games will be upheld yeah. even though it is lighter and now they have time to maybe uh, work on the details of the investigation without the rest of the Big Ten being Extremely, extremely pissed off at, yeah. at the Big Ten for not doing anything. I think it's a good medium. This is a really good point that somebody texted in from the 314. The whole situation is a joke. Discipline him after the season. Why is it that they needed to do something right now and do a full investigation and then do something after the season? Well, I think because of where they're ranked. Now, if Michigan was ranked 15th in the country, it wouldn't be a big deal. But yeah. there are so many people that are frustrated that this team is number three in the country. There are only four teams that, gonna, that are going to make the college football playoff. And so one of those teams, Washington, <laughs> Oregon, Texas, Alabama, that are Missouri, that are on the outside looking in, are probably frustrated because why is this team in? And they're cheating. Mm-hmm. And, and they're not playing or going about it in the, right, in the right way. So I think that's why that everyone is so frustrated. But again, I didn't think that the punishment was nearly – I didn't think it was severe, so I didn't think no. it was that big of a deal. Obviously, you want to be able to coach on Saturdays, but being able to coach and practice with your team throughout the week, it helps with the preparation for game day. I just think about everything that happened with Mizzou, which they turned themselves in, or they brought up the fact of that an issue or violation happened, and they got a very severe punishment involving a postseason ban. If this is something that is that serious, where we're making such a big deal out of it, don't you feel like a postseason ban is something that maybe possibly should be a part of the conversation? And it feels like by doing it this way, you're just wanting to get this out of the way. Just a quick little three-game suspension of the yeah. head coach, as you mentioned. He's there still during the week, part of the game planning process, just not there on the sidelines during the weekends. It feels like they just want to move quickly past this. And does that have anything to do with the whole possible blackmailing situation of, well, if you do this to us, we then we'll more. expose yeah. you? And that's what I thought. I thought that the punishment was really a, a way of saying we're going to punish you, but we're not going to punish us. Because if Michigan does indeed have information on other teams doing these same things that they're being accused of, well, then you open Pandora's box or Antdora's box, as we've as we've been told that we call it. <laughs> and so I you so <laughs> Antdora's box. <laughs> Antdora's box. Yes. <Yeah>, so <laughs> it made me question everything. I was like, wait a minute, did I say that? Did no. I say that? <laughs> you open Pandora's box, and now everyone is being looked at, and and the NCAA doesn't want that. The Big Ten doesn't want that. They don't want, if there are more teams that have done, as Michigan said, has done what they're being accused of, they don't want that information out. So punishing him by suspending him for game days, okay, that's reasonable. You miss the entire, the rest of the season, three games. Now, I'm certain he wants to be on the sideline for that Ohio (laughs) State game. (laughs) I'm certain of that. So I'm sure that that's why he's having these hearings, trying to get, you know, get approval to be able to do that. But all in all, regardless, he'll be there if they're still in it for the college football playoffs. And I, I think that the, the 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 punishment fits the crime as far as we know right now. There's still so many layers to this. Connor Stallions, as you guys know, I've been obsessed with waiting for his a, documentary to come out. Yeah. He does. And I don't know if you guys saw the report that came out that – He also, I guess, did not file any expense reports during the 17 months that he was formally employed by Michigan, according to the school, 
So what would that mean? There, see, it feels like there's a lot of secretive things going on there. It is. There, we, I'm sure we will get more information as we uh, go along, and Michigan will be fighting their butts off to get their coach back on the sideline. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Time check is 714. Time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next, we got sick of it. Get your texts in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YO-HO. Sick of it is next. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Alongside Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, no Randy Carricker today. He is enjoying the sunshine that will be out there. Seventy degrees, CD. Seventy degrees in it November. Must be nice to be outside. Do you have in, on Instagram? It shows you memories from that day. So yesterday, mm-hmm. I just wanted to see what I was doing yesterday really? around you know five four years ago. It was snowing here in St. Louis, really? CD. Wow. It was snowing in November. That's not a crazy thought. I must not take enough pictures on Instagram. <laughs> to use I Instagram stories? Yeah, no. Nah. I'll show you how to use it so you can go back <laughs> Please, and see those beautiful I have memories. No clue how <laughs> any of this works. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a rundown of it. Well, now it is time for Sick of It. So get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line. That is 314 399 9646. 314 399 Yo-ho. And tell us what you're sick of today. CD? What are you sick of? All right, so this is a topic that we have every year around this time. So, you know, the holidays are a beautiful time. I mean, fall gets here and then winter comes. You start to see the leaves falling, the the, the weather changing, usually, not this year. But (laughs) the thing that I am sick of, and I am absolutely sick of it, you don't go from Halloween to Christmas. It is a it is a whole <laughs> holiday in between those holidays. That, that, that there is another yes. day that people celebrate. You don't just start putting up Christmas time themes around your house. Now, my neighbor, who I think is an awesome guy, he he has a huge Santa Claus outside of his house already. I, already, yeah. I mean, it's he he's he does he does all of the the the, the decorations for Halloween. Yeah. Obviously not Thanksgiving because we just skipped past it, but <laughs> Halloween. And now he has a huge uh, Christmas theme outside of his home. It's beautiful. He has his Christmas lights up already. But I just feel, I personally feel that you should wait until after Thanksgiving. That's just me. I agree with you. I don't know why this is a controversial topic, because even if you go around the stores, there's already been Christmas stuff out with the Halloween stuff. Have you noticed that? It feels like we really are just skipping yeah. ahead to December yeah. when there is a beautiful... What month is this? This is November, okay. I think. We I think still supposedly. got about 14 days left feels, in this month, don't we? Yeah. feels about like Two July. Weeks. Yeah. I know. What and are we doing? Enjoy it, because Thanksgiving is one of the best holidays out there. And personally, maybe this is just how I was raised, but... I always enjoyed after Thanksgiving. Then, since you have all the family together, you kind of rope each other into helping with starting the Christmas decorations. So I just think it's a very beautiful transition into the Christmas time, celebrating family, because that's what it's all about, right? Yes. That, with holidays. Now, yes. I have something 
kind of controversial to say. I think it's just about as bad. I'm a person who I have to have, if it's a breakfast food, I have to have it at breakfast time. I can't have it at dinner time. Oh, can't have it at lunch. With so that. I, I yeah, have to, I'm Brooke, saying there's an Brookie. order of events. Oh, that's no, where I'm wow. getting at with this. Oh, no, Brookie. Okay, great. There's an order of events. <laughs> so that's what it feels like to me yeah, is you, that you can't just skip ahead wait, to certain on. things. Now, you can't now, move things we're, around. I'm going to disagree because you, you grew up where? In Tennessee. In Tennessee. Yeah. Does Tennessee not have any Waffle Houses? They do. What time does Waffle House I, usually get popping? Well, 2 a.m. Technically, that could be your breakfast. It, but it's, it, it's not it breakfast because you haven't gone to sleep no, no, yet. Carrie, the real thing is you walk into a Waffle House at 5 p.m., are they going to tell you no when I order smothered and covered hash browns? No. Damn right, because this is America. You, they're going to tell you you can get whatever you like. Because uh, this is somebody, America. Somebody House. Liberty. Waffle House. <laughs> somebody said, I'm already sick of people saying certain food is for a certain time. Yes. Let me have pasta for, pasta for breakfast. Nah, you now, might CD. be a menace. Hey, no. You you're might agreeing be a menace. No. I, you're agreeing I, with this. I want to know this is what you're pasta, agreeing pasta with. That's a horrible load to start the day. Maybe he goes running. Mm, okay, yeah. I maybe, don't know. Maybe not. Every no, once in a while. I just like to have breakfast for breakfast, pancakes for breakfast, all those certain things. But what about, you're telling me you've never had Brenner? In your entire life? Probably. They, I can uh, see Brookie having Brooke, Brenner. I know you, you have, have to You have went Brenner. to Middle Tennessee it's, it's State. Been, you did. You have you, you to went have to college. You, Brenner. Went, you had to have a night See, you I'm, I'm telling you, bars. I'm, I was probably one of the lamest people in college because oh, no. I was always working. I was always, you know, just doing school stuff. So I really was not that fun. There's a pancake <laughs> with maple syrup while the sun is down. As you can see, my, my shirt today, Are Illinois. You, this yeah. is a glorious place called Marianne's that was frequented. It was 24 hours. You you go Brooke. there at 2 a.m. You're good to go. Brooke. Here's the thing. There's a difference oh between, God. of course, there's probably times in my life I have done it. I just have a preference of doing things. Same thing with I have to have the order of the holidays go in the order that they should be in. So then you have Thanksgiving, you have Christmas. And you celebrate accordingly and get things ready for that. CD is so upset with me right now. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm so sorry. I'm distraught. I'm so sorry. Brenner is. Oh my god. <laughs> sorry to disappoint. Hash browns at night are. are a, it's uh, just. It's not something we did at our house that a biscuit much. Biscuit at 6 p.m. Pancakes oh. at 7 p.m. A waffle? A big oh, Belgian man. waffle? Come on. Oh, I don't know. Come on. Well, yeah. guys, now I'm going to kind of divert attention away from what I just said there. So this is what I am sick of. I am starting to get really tired of Major League Baseball free agency. The rumor mill specifically, guys. Really nothing new or exciting has no. happened just yet. And oh, by the way, shocking news. The teams that always spend a lot of money, now this might be shocking, are going to go out and reportedly get the pitcher that everybody wants what? is going to be really expensive. It might sound crazy. It might sound really wild. But I'm just really just tired of the rumor mills. I think it's very obvious that teams like the Mets, the Yankees, and the Dodgers are going to go out and spend some crazy money and go get the best pitchers available that are in that top tier. We all know what's going to yeah. happen, right? Yeah. I'm just ready for some moves to be made. And maybe this is just me being really anxious about where the Cardinals will fit into this conversation of spending and if they will be competing <laughs> with any of these teams. But I am just tired of seeing these teams going out and spend a lot of money and getting the things that they want. I just want to be a part of the pie. Yeah, I think I'm, along the lines of that, I, I'm sick of Cardinal fans assuming that we're the only team that needs pitching this offseason. Because <laughs> <laughs> we ain't. No. And that means that the Cardinals are going to have to spend money or they're going to miss out on nice things. Yes. That's just how it goes, man. It, it, it's 
it's real life. And if there are multiple teams vying for a few pitchers, a few a few jobs available, then you're going to have to come with some dollars. If I was a GM, which nobody would ever make me the GM of their Major League Baseball team, but just say theoretically, I would be a menace. I would just throw my name. I'd be like, yeah, we're in conversations with Shohei, Aaron Nola. <laughs> and then their agents would be like, the are we? I'd be like, yeah, I, I texted you about it. <laughs> Now go put that report out there. Look at me doing all this work. Oh, man. <laughs> all right, Rock, what do we have on the text line? I'm sick of all the Kansas City Chiefs haters here in St. Louis. The Rams left, and we are now Chiefs country. Get over it. That's going to be controversial. I don't that's think so. Gonna, that's not going to go over well. I don't think that that's true. I don't think that you just become Kansas City Chiefs fans. You know, they got a good team, but... If you grew up not liking the Kansas City Chiefs, why would you all of a sudden just become a fan of them? It'd be kind of difficult. Yeah. I, I do understand, though, if you have that love for the NFL and you just want to find some team in close proximity, I get that because the Chiefs are exciting. They are. And Patrick they are, Mahomes they is are fun champions. to cheer for. They got a great quarterback. Taylor yeah. Swift's boyfriend is very oh, exciting. Bro, don't do oh. that. His uh, name is Travis. <laughs> Sick of Yoho, and of course the week back joke signed Grumpy in the STL. Oh, well, that is grumpy, very grumpy. We're 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 sorry to let you know it's gonna continue. Oh, um, take a long walk. By yeah, the way, if I'm you want to keep no, getting in your sick of it, you can text into the Air Comfort Service text line. That is three one four three nine 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 six four six three one four three nine nine. Yoho. Another one for Here you, Grumpy. Go. This is the exact. This is I knew. This is I knew it. This is I hadn't even read that first text about the Chiefs when we got this text. This was already in the inbox. Sick of it. Despite this being a St. Louis radio station, how much mentioning of the Kansas City Chiefs occur? Are you all going to give us Chicago Blackhawk updates next? <laughs> That's how I imagine he texted it in. <laughs> Just anger. Kind of Bernard's killing it. Kind of sucks, he, but um, kind of good. Sorry to tell you. Yeah. Well, you know, Oops. we are we are in St. Louis, and we don't have a football team, so we talk about all football teams, and generally we speak of the good football teams. Which I don't know, Rock. How many championships have the Kansas City Chiefs won over the last few years? Uh, two. Okay, so I think they're pretty good. Yeah. I think you should talk about them. I don't think you could necessarily gatekeep a team either, because I keep seeing people texting too, like only bandwagon fans. Uh, can you gate keep a team and keep out the fans that are coming in and out of it? I think have if you, you want to be a fan of something, you should be allowed <laughs> to be a fan of it. Fans are, are not new to sports, but I'm just saying, are, I'm like just the saying, people who want people. to gatekeep. It's them. weird. It's always going to be weird. It always has been weird. I'm sure. Again, me, we talked about this other day on the show. Where did pe- where did fans go when the Cardinals left St. Louis? Carrie Carrie was talking about how a lot of his friends and my dad talks about his friends. They would be they became 49ers fans because you just couldn't not enjoy watching Joe Montana. To play football. There you go. And, and Randy talks about how the Steelers became a huge contingent and things like, and you know, um, the, the, you know, different teams that became huge contingents in St. Louis. It's not your team leaves. You're a football fan. What do you expect people to do? Most people were casual enough Rams fans that they hadn't built like a fandom in another sport outside of St. Louis, like weirdos like I already had. So I had things to fall back on. I don't know why people would hold it against it. By the way, I think that Texas is going to get mad when Otani signs with the Cubs and we mention it. Oh, oh man. They're going to get real gracious. mad. <laughs> Sick of it. 930 puck drops. What are we doing here? Uh, and now, in fairness. Playing on the West Coast. I, yeah, but I, I'm with you, brother. That's sister. I, I, that 930. Central time. Four-hour show tomorrow. No, you. What? What is tomorrow? What are we doing here? 
Who decided this? When did these decisions get made without me being here? What the hell are you talking about? Usually, Four hours usually, tomorrow. Usually between, usually between the hours of noon. Is that noon. what you want to be sick of now? That could be, you can change Friday. it real quick. Yeah, I'm just going to let you know. Usually between the hours of noon and 2 p.m. are when these decisions are made. What in the world is going on? Come on. Oh, my gosh. I know. We should be a part of those conversations. All right. Well, thank you guys for getting your text into the Air Comfort Service text line. Coming up next, we are going to go to the celebrity line to talk to Greg Amsinger about the latest Major League Baseball news that's coming up next here on The Opening Drive. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And we go to the celebrity line and speak with our great friend, lead anchor for MLB Network, Greg Emzinger. Greg, good morning, sir. How are you doing? You know, uh, I got one more day left, Carrie, of awards week. Okay. Uh, I, I've, I've fought through the manager of the year, the rookie of the year last night with Cy Young. And I woke up last night in chills because one of the most tense moments of all time took place yesterday during the Cy Young show. Uh, a crisis was averted, in case you were wondering. Garrett Cole was sitting in his agent's office waiting to hear his name called. Sitting right next to him was his lovely wife, Amy, that they started dating at UCLA. Amazing human being. I've met her many times. She's sitting next to him, and he wins the award, and they're hugging, and it's a wonderful moment. And Pedro Martinez, who asked all the, the really great questions, uh, Pedro goes, Garrett, when you get this award at the New York Writers' Dinner, when they hand you the award, who in your life do you want right next to you? <laughs> and Garrett goes, uh, and you see, like, in his eyes, all the people that he's met, all the coaches, all the teammates, and all of us are starting to immediately sweat. And I'm going, there's only one answer. Please, please. And his wife is staring at him like you could just, the flames were going through his skull. And he goes, 
Um, I guess Amy, because she's big. With, I go, thank God. <laughs> that was the right answer, Garrett. You nailed it. It was the right answer. And just to imagine what would have happened if you would have oh. said anything but Amy would have been a nightmare. <laughs> That's, even the I guess, though, might, might stir up some controversy. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I honestly don't think they I don't think they talked for 10 minutes on the way home. <laughs> oh, no. Well, at least. silent treatment because of the pause. For oh, sure. man. It will be an ongoing conversation. Well, Greg, as you mentioned, um, some awards given out that you've been a part of the past few days. Blake Snell being honored with his second Cy Young Award after leading the league in ERA and was in the top five amongst pitchers and total strikeouts this past regular season. The Cardinals and John Mosellock mentioned that they will be really valuing pitchers with swing and miss stuff more than they have had previously. If that is an emphasis now for the Cardinals moving forward, do they make Blake Snell a priority during this offseason when they're looking at free agent pitchers? I would say yes. And, and the reason is, is I follow the clues. Okay, When you think of left-handed pitchers, for some reason, the guys that figure it out uh, after the age of 30, have staying power. I mean, I'm thinking about like friend, my friend Al Leiter, uh, Kenny Rogers, uh, Jamie Moyer, Rich Hill, but more specifically, pitchers that win their second Cy Young at age 30 or older, Okay, which is what Blake Snell did. He's 30 years old. There are only three other left-handers that have ever done that, win a second Cy Young at age 30 or older. Tom Glavin did it. After that second Cy Young, he finished second in the Cy Young another season, had four all-star seasons, and he pitched until he was in his early 40s. Randy Johnson did it, and he won three more Cy Youngs after that and had four more all-star appearances. And then Steve Carlton did that. He had two more Cy Youngs, four more all-star appearances. So that's it. Those are the only other left-handers to do what Blake Snell did, which is win a second Cy Young at age 30 or older. I like the idea of swing and miss. I've been saying it for a long time, since 2010 or 11. If you want to win the World Series, you can't let the other team put the ball in play. you got to have the ability to strike people out in October. And Garrett, Garrett or, uh, uh, Blake Snell does that well. The only thing that scares teams away is, and this is being talked about in the industry, is Blake Snell being extremely candid about who he is as a pitcher. And he's not going to try to change anymore. And I love that. But if you're trying to construct a roster, you might think to yourself, hmm, Blake Snell is not afraid of walking anyone anymore. And that's why he had such a meteoric rise. He walked more players than anybody in the National League. But his swing and miss stuff means, well, I'm not going to give in on three balls and one strike to you. I can strike the next guy out. In his mind, he's ahead in the count when the batter steps into the batter's box. And he actually is, technically. You need four balls to walk a guy, only three strikes to get him out. So he technically is as he walks into the batter's box. The problem is, as you age, your stuff diminishes. If you don't have command and you're okay not having it, are you still going to be able to strike your way out of a bases-loaded, one-out situation when you're 35, 36, 37 years old, the end of whatever contract he's going to get? That will be the red flag, and that will be what certain teams question. 
But to me, it might be worth the first three or four years of the contract to get this guy to help you get over the top and win the World Series. Greg, a report came out recently that the Braves could be looking at Aaron Nola. We already know all of the other teams that are looking for pitching Dodgers, Braves, maybe the Mets, uh, the Phillies. you got a lot of teams that spend a lot of money. Does that make it more difficult for the St. Louis Cardinals to actually get one of these high-priority free agent pitchers this offseason? You could throw the uh, Boston Red Sox in there, too, who just hire a pitcher to be their GM. So <laughs> he knows clearly how important it is. Uh, you have big markets wanting uh, a pitcher right now. I don't think this free agent class is, like, over-the-top jaw-dropping like we've seen in other years. But because the demand is so high, all of these guys are going to get paid. Yamamoto is going to get 240 to $250 million. I mean, it's just the way it is. He's the number one guy out there on the market. Dodgers are honing in on him. Uh, I think Aaron Nola is going to get what he wants, which is over $200 million. There's just too many people that want his services, and he gives the exact sort of opposite talents that Blake Snell provides. Blake Snell, any oddball year could be the best pitcher in baseball with a 2-2 ERA. He might throw a 4.8 ERA up the next year. You kind of never know. Whereas Aaron Nola gives you innings consistency. He will come out and perform and give you over 200 innings. It's a hard thing to find in today's game and give you a chance to win every single night. So his stuff and his pitchability makes front office executives at ease. He can manipulate the baseball. He can run it in uh, on a right-hander, away from a left-hander. For a right-hander, that's a tough thing to do. He's got a lot of Maddox-esque type of stuff. I interviewed Greg Maddox yesterday as he made the announcement on the Cy Young show. And in those years, in those years where he won four straight Cy Youngs, his last year with the Cubs, first three with the Braves, his average K per nine was only seven. And three of those years was under seven. But his average was seven K per nine. And I asked him if, if we overemphasize strikeouts today. And he said, absolutely. Guys that can pitch and get people out, it doesn't matter how you get them out. That's coming from one of the greatest pitchers of all time. I think Aaron Nola subscribes to that. We, do, we are enamored with swing and miss. I think you need it. I, I specifically think you need it in the back end of your bullpen. Okay? It would be great to have your top two guys strike people out. Aaron Nola is like a glue guy in a rotation that I think Charlie Morton with the Atlanta Braves the last couple of years. The Braves needed Charlie Morton to be a stalwart in their rotation. I think that's what Aaron Nola is going to provide to whatever team gets him. If you're a fan of the Cardinals, you should be rooting for Nola to be wearing the birds on the chest. Greg, there's a report out by the New York Post that supposedly Jordan Montgomery wants to return to a team that he has played for before. That would be Texas, St. Louis, obviously here, or in New York. Do you see that as a likelihood for Jordan Montgomery? Yes, actually, I really do. Uh, When he was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals for uh, Harrison Bader, the Yankee clubhouse was very upset. He, He was wildly popular among Yankees players. And if there's one thing I'm starting to notice, and you see the connection to the new hitting coach, uh, to Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge has got a lot of say with what goes on with the Yankees. And I think Brian Cashman is is separating himself in a way from his analytics team, and he's kind of hanging out with the rock stars a bit more and asking what they want him to do. And Aaron Judge's voice is going to be heard in more ways than people think. And I know Judge is a huge fan of Jordan Montgomery. He loved the way he competed. Anybody that's a position player enjoys playing behind Jordan Montgomery. He's fearless. He doesn't overpower anyone, but he manipulates the baseball and he can expose bad swing holes in left-handed hitters. Like he really 
he's like a lefty specialist, but he obviously can still get righties out. I think he falls into the Aaron Nola category. He All he's ever been is a pitcher in winning environments. I know last year the Cardinals were a last-place team, but the expectations in St. Louis are at the same level as they are in New York and then what you saw him do in Arlington. So he's used to being in a winning environment. I think he wants to be in one. I don't think he wants to be part of a rebuild. I don't think he'd be interested in the Cincinnati Reds. If the Reds were, hey, we want to give you a ton of money, or the Chicago Cubs, because who knows who the Cubs are going to be next year. So I think Montgomery will pick between the three clubs that are all looking for starting pitching and don't overlook the, the Texas Rangers and all of this. I think if the Rangers know they're not going to get Otani, you're going to see them spend even more than what they've done in previous years. They want to win it again. Greg, I know you heard the comments. from You spoke about uh, Brian Cashman. I know you heard the comments that he had about Giancarlo Stanton. What, what did you think about that? And will that have an impact on any free agents, as, as Stanton's agent said it could? Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I think Brian Cashman stole my line uh, from last <laughs> offseason. Uh, I was hosting the top 100 players right now, and I got to do an argument with Bill Rifkin, as we usually do when we work together. And we were doing the top 100 right now, and Yandy Diaz, who if you go back, not this past year, but 2022, had nine home runs. But our research team, which is like a NASA group, they're all analytics-driven. They value the players the way front offices value players. Had Yandy Diaz, number 99, on the top 100 players right now, and Jean-Carlo Stanton was number 100. Very polarizing to put a $300 million player at number 100. He barely squeezed in. Yanni Diaz had nine home runs mm. and was ahead of him. And my, my cohorts did not think that was right. And I go, wait a minute. Yanni Diaz played. He played multiple positions and he played. John mm-hmm. Carlos Stanton going forward, it's a guarantee that he's going to miss at least 50 games. At least 50. He's the modern, he's the modern day Mark Teixeira for the New York Yankees. When he plays, you're going to get some production. You never know. He's one of those guys who can get hot and carry a team. He's he's an aircraft carrier in a way. But he's going to have mechanical problems. This stuff's going to go wrong. And there's nothing wrong with a, a GM being candid. Look, Brian Cashman has to deal with more media than most of the GMs. I, you know what? I'll say this. Brian Cashman deals with the same amount of questions from media that as general managers – of the bottom 15 markets in baseball combined. Mm. That is how inundated with media requests Brian Cashman is. So if he's getting older and is a bit more, you know, loose with the lips, it makes a lot of sense because he's been dealing with these questions left and right. If he's a bit fed up with this ongoing issue of John Carlos 10, he's very right to be. Took on a huge contract and it hasn't worked out. So, I like the open candor. What's wrong with that? Giancarlo needs to stay on the field if he doesn't want his GM saying that about him. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to hearing from you next week, and uh, we'll be talking soon. All right. Tune in tonight, the big MVP show. I know I'm not going to be breaking any news. We all know who's going to win. Let's look at it as an hour-long celebration, and I'm wearing a nice suit. I'm wearing a nice suit and an hour-long celebration. I'll see you tonight. Sounds good. See you then. That was Greg Amzinger joining us, and uh, Greg is always awesome. We love he him. He is. I love that Garrett Cole story. Oh, man. He's, That's going to be a— That was probably a stressful situation until he realized— <laughs> 
here's the thing. This is the the problem, man. We okay. gotta break. But women, we don't think. We just he, he, the question was asked, and but you, she's sitting right yeah, beside him. See, in his brain, he's thinking of all of the coaches, as Greg said, all of the teammates, his, his mom and dad that took him to little league games when he was a child. Like who 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 do I want next to me in this moment? That is, you're already here. The woman that's already next to him. That's easy right answer. You got the, you, yeah. Greg though, Greg put it perfectly though. <laughs> <laughs> the, fir- the ride home 100% was 10 minutes of silence, and then she would ju- she turned to him and just goes, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> you know that's what happened. That's oh, 100% man. what happened. <sighs> Get your text in to the air cover <laughs> service. Get your text in to the air cover yeah, service. Sure. Thanks, I mean, Ryan. she's here right now. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it is next. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley and some interesting uh, food takes. And it is time for Take It or Leave It. Uh, so, uh, no, no, leave the, t- the food oh, takes turn behind. Tables turn. <laughs> oh, we, Brock, we, you're like loving we this will, moment. We will come I mean, back does, to this, does the look on my <laughs> face not convey that enough? Food, take it or leave it. Breakfast is any time of the day, Brooke. You're going to leave that, clearly. We're gonna get Brooke to we're gonna get Brooke to eat some some Waffle House at two o'clock in the morning. Well, actually, at ten o'clock at night. I'm sure that I've done it a couple times in my life, but it's not something I enjoy. That's the difference. Uh, I just like I like to have my breakfast during breakfast time. That's intriguing. Yes. Yes. The potatoes. So, quick question. Quick, wait, wait, wait. No, no wait, no, I, I got this. Can, I, may I? I don't can, want, can I get I don't one? Want please, food one. Questions can I have from one? You. One, please. Okay. Can I get one? Go ahead. Get one? Sure, I want it. I'm sure. intrigued now. So how do you deal with bacon? How do I deal with bacon? Like, does, does it have to be on a sandwich? I'm not a big bacon after? person, anyways. Oh, but I would, I would, <laughs> you ruined, you, you ruined I would, I would, I would have it for breakfast. And then if you want to have a BLT for lunch, then that's a lunch. And you item. can put it on your burger yes. as well if you want a bacon cheeseburger. Sure. Okay. Yes. All right. Just, just wondering. It's a lunch item then. It has right. transformed into a lunch <laughs> item. Just lunch, breakfast, <laughs> no. lunch, and dinner. Rock, yeah. you don't toast your pop tarts. I don't want to hear anything from you. <laughs> All right. So you, we would <laughs> have a reason. We don't. That I don't think that's a great reason. We were talking to Greg Ebzinger, and I asked him about the Cardinals playing in deep waters with some of these starting pitchers. Take it or leave it, they will not be able to get some of those top-tier pitchers. Talking, obviously, Shohei, um, Nola, Snell, Yamamoto, because the other teams that are in need of pitchers will be spending a little bit more. In that top tier specifically, with those names that you mentioned, I might leave it because now I'm starting to get a little bit more intrigued by Blake Snell and that being a possibility for the Cardinals, but they would have to spend the money in yeah. order to get Blake Snell. If you say that you want to have more swing and miss, they can't. that's something that if that hasn't been a priority for the organization, that's going to take a while to build within your organization. So you're going to have to go out and spend money to get it. Why not do it this offseason in free agency? 
I, I agree, but I don't know <laughs> if that number starts running up if uh, <laughs> if, if we're going to be uh, willing to. Suspend it. Yeah, yes. And I get that. I totally do get that. Take it or leave it. We also talked about something else a little bit controversial earlier. The Chiefs fans and the St. Louis Chiefs fans, there's a big hatred there. Take it or leave that. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, the St. Louis and 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 Kansas City is... is that they, it's more them than us. Mm-hmm. They have an issue with us. I don't know why. It yeah. just feels that way. You know, it, it, it is what it is. It's not a problem. But there is some, uh, some, some, I guess disagreements amongst Kansas City fans and St. Louis fans. I, I definitely have noticed that. Especially moving here, I've noticed the rivalry that really has built up amongst the cities, and I get it. I think with the Chiefs, I understand if you have sworn off the NFL here in St. Louis. Totally understand. After everything that happened with Stan Kroenke, the way that the NFL handled that, the way that the other NFL owners handled that was really disgusting. I totally understand that. But I also understand that especially with the, you know a new, younger generation coming in, you see yeah. an exciting quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and wanting to at least cheer for that. But I like the rivalry between St. Louis and Kansas City. Yeah, it makes things fun and interesting. Good beating up on your little brother. What you got, Rock? <laughs> <laughs> Texas are in a weird, weird, weird mood today. Uh, what what do we do? I just I I, I okay. <laughs> Take it or leave it. The Cardinals signed Tyler Glass now and Sonny Gray, and then they trade for Alec Manor to start out their offseason. I like uh, it. I like it. I like it. Wait, can you repeat oh, the wait, question Alex again? Manoa, I guess he's yeah, to say. I was that's what like, I thought. Alec Manor, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to yeah, think. Yeah. Uh, he's saying Tyler Cardinals signed Tyler Glass now, Sonny Gray, and trade for Alex Manoa. Ooh, I want to take that one. one. I want to take that one because I think that that would be. Is that sufficient? I think that if you're worried about spending (laughs) money, (laughs) I think that maybe that will be sufficient enough. With Tyler Glass now, the injuries are a big concern, but he does have a stuff. Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I mean, there was a movie about a guy named Mr. Glass. Kind of in his name. (laughs) (laughs) Gary! I almost said Randy, because that is something that Randy would say. 100%. I'm just saying. You start talking about Lakers basketball? No, 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 not that Mr. Glass. Oh, oh, Uh, sorry. My bad. That that one is, it's horrible to watch him play. It's tough, man. (laughs) I think Manoa is very intriguing. I think that that could be considered a successful offseason, especially if you're not going to go out and spend a lot of money and get two of those top-tier starting pitchers, which is highly unlikely that they're going to be able to do that. So if you get a Sonny Gray and then you bring in a Tyler Glass now, you wouldn't have to give up possibly a Nolan Gorman in that trade. Uh, well, and it would be volume. one year. What are you giving up for for a glass now? And and the problem is not enough innings. Like if if you're, if someone this is my innings thing. Eaters? When yeah. you are when you you are who you are, and at some point, yes. assuming that um, they're going to change because they're in a different place. This is a person that is the most innings he's pitched is 120, and that was this, this year. past season. A 30 year old whose whose career that's, high is 120. That's not a person that is going to give you. He's been often if he if you're often injured and you often miss time, that's essentially who you are. And so therefore, that's not someone that I would be eager for the Cardinals to sign. Because if he has a great year, you're like, oh yeah, see, we told you. But if he has and does what he normally does, who are you mad at? 
You can't be mad at him for being who he is and what he is. Yeah. And what he has been. I wouldn't assume that it's going to change because he's in St. Louis. Just rereading this. Also, by the way, Glass now, you would have to make a trade for him. Sunny Gray, obviously, you would have to go out and spend money. And for Manoa, I, would he require a trade? Yes, I believe so. Yes. And so, just to what correct are you that. You have, you have, here's the thing. There's a plethora of bats available that the Cardinals have. How many outfielders do they have right now? A plethora of them. Why not move some of these guys? Do they really? They do. Three of them are hurt. Well, two of them. Often. So do they have a plethora? That's, that, that's all, again, that's the same thing as Tyler Glass now. He's injured. Tyler <laughs> O'Neill, he's often injured. Other teams know that. I think that it's teams not like will, it's yeah. not like we we get to hide the, the the injury report and put it under all of the files and nobody knows that these people are often injured. No, they know it too. I think teams would see the value in a Dylan Carlson. They would see the value possibly in a Tyler O'Neill with a different situation. And either way, I don't think Tyler O'Neill is staying here. Why not see if you can put him a part of some sort of package? And then you also have Tommy Edmond that situation. If you're going to bring Victor Scott up next year, and you're already discussing that that he could be the center fielder of the future for the Cardinals. Where does that leave Tommy Edmond in this situation? There's a lot of different pieces that they need to navigate and move around. And yeah, why not? I agree. We'll, we'll, we will see. Uh, we'll see what, what the Cardinals end up doing. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up next, could the Cardinals be left out of a dance partner, partner with this pitching and the supply and demand? We'll talk about it next on the opening drive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. think that there are about eight teams looking for multiple starting wow. pitchers. We've never seen this before. So these pitchers are in a very, very good situation. I, I believe the Cardinals, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Angels, the Pirates, the Cubs, and the Giants. I think there are eight teams that are really would like to get multiple starting pitchers. The Mets, I know, would like one top of the rotation guy, one kind of mid-rotation depth piece. St. Louis obviously needs pitching. You got Montgomery, you have Nola, Gray, Erod, and then just below them, Giolito, Flaherty, Stroman. Lugo had a great year with the Padres. So there is really good pitching out there, but the need really, really outstrips the supply at okay. this point. 
That was baseball insider John Heyman on MLB Network discussing the need for pitching. All the teams need pitching right now, especially starting pitching. And there's an article right now on The Athletic by Chad Jennings. And the headline is Pitching Markets Supply and Demand. Which teams will be left standing when the music stops? Carrie, there's going to be a lot of teams left standing without a dance partner who are in the market for starting pitching. And they break this down in many different ways. But the biggest thing that Chad points out in this article is something that I think that we all were very aware of is happening. They're very light on hitters this offseason when it comes to free agency, but there is a heavy need on pitching. And he kind of broke it down into the the tiers of the pitchers that available. It was the names that you would think of in that top tier being Blake Snell and Aaron Nola and Yamamoto, the big names, the ones that we we know are going to get paid a lot of money. And then he also broke it down to the teams who are contending. And he even has John Mosellock quoted in this article where he said, I think our checklist is probably starter, starter, then see what we look like. Is there any concern that the Cardinals will be left without a dance partner? Now, will they get a dance partner? Yes. But is this going to be the dance partner that you had at the top of your dance card? No. It it was two things that I heard. and and, One thing I heard and one thing that I've read. Uh, John Heyman said that eight teams looking for top-tier pitching. That that scares the hell out of me. If you're the St. Louis Cardinals and you're a Cardinal fan, that should scare you as well. But in this article, there's another quote from Mosellac where he says, I think we'll be able to add two starters, but they're not all going to be like the guy. That's going to be hard. The upper tier of this market is going to be uber competitive. That's your answer. Search no further. Don't look in what, what you're being told is if one of these teams that have a, a high dollar amount are willing to go above and beyond for one of these uber competitive picture, pitchers, and they are trying to sign an Aaron Nola, a Yamamoto, uh, a, a Shohei Otani. If they are trying, Blake Snell, if they are in playing in those waters, this is telling you the Cardinals probably aren't going to be in those waters. I personally have felt and, and still feel that the best way for the Cardinals to get these two, two and a half starters would be via trade for one and free agency for the other. Go out and spend money on one of these guys. Go ahead. Just one. Don't try to get two because you're probably not going to be able to. Mm -hmm. But go spend money on one of them, and then you have to trade for the other one. And I don't think that trade looks like Tyler Glass now. It has always looked like Dylan Cease for me if he's available. That's my thought, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with a Blake Snell and a Dylan Cease via trade. I'm okay with an Aranola and a, and, a, and a Dylan Cease via trade. That's the route that the Cardinals are going to have to go. You're going to have to spend money if you want one of these top-tier pitchers. If you're in the second tier, which is the Jordan Montgomery's of the world or Sonny Gray, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, Marcus Stroman, if that's the route you want to go, are any of those guys a one for this team probably? But are they ones in the league, and that's where you have to compare yourself. You just can't compare yourself internally. You have to look externally and see what's going on and who you're going against. And so for me, if the Cardinals are looking for that top-tier pitcher, go get one, go trade for another one, and see what they can do. And I agree with you. I mean, it's very easy to see right now what is happening in the Cardinals and the situation they're in because there's so many other teams with the account, the bank account, to really spend this money and go out and get these top tier starting pitchers. And so in this article, they have the tier one being Aaron Nola. And this is just a projection of what they believe he will get. Six years, $180 million. 
I think it could be even more than that, honestly. Probably Yamamoto. 200. Yeah, Yamamoto. Seven years, $203 million. Hasn't pitched in Major League Baseball yet. Obviously very successful in Japan, but... He is 25 years old. I think that's why that number is so high. There could could be a great value. Also, a lot of questions of what exactly he'll look like when he gets here. Blake Snell, also in that top tier. Would you do this? Five years, $135 million. I, I mean, you know what you're getting. You're, you're going to get a guy that, as he said, as Greg said, he's going to strike. He's going to try to strike guys out, but he's also not afraid to walk them. So you know what you're getting. You know that he's going to go five, maybe six innings. And now, what does that do to your bullpen? We've seen that last year. We saw enough of that last year. So if you get a Blake Snell, understand that yeah, we're going to try to go trade for another pitcher, hopefully. But we also have to get this bullpen corrected and make sure we have flexibility because that was one thing they didn't have: the ability to send guys up and down, but also guys that perform at a high level when the moment is required. And so if you go get a Blake Snell, you know that you have to bolster up that bullpen as well, which is something they should already be doing anyways. That's what they have to do yeah. because the bullpen was also a big issue last season. It's just I was hoping and expecting that this offseason would be a little bit different when it came to spending and their offseason approach. And it feels like we're just going back to what we have seen over and over again over the years. And if you're going to do the same thing over and over again, do you really expect different results nah. during the regular season? Clearly. It's hard to. Clearly. It really is hard to. I just thought that with the season, I don't believe that it was a fluke. I know that we had the World Baseball Classic, and yes, I'm taking that into somewhat of an account uh, account on the Cardinals, and I know that they mentioned that possibly being an issue for their slow start, but I think there was so much more at play that they didn't fully address, and now you're going to be left in this situation, two situations they don't like to be in CD, right? Spending money in free agency, which we've seen their free agency track record and how that hasn't exactly panned yep. out over the years, and a situation where you're going to go have to make a trade, which we also have seen and how that has panned out, where the player maybe that you trade will go on and be a superstar. I just I just the the fear for me is when you see that when you see the, the president of baseball operations saying, yeah, this market is going to be uber competitive. Yeah, that's how sports go. That's how baseball go. It's going to be competitive so at some point. You're going to have to you talk about it all the time, a puke point. Right. Mm -hmm. Whether that's trading someone that makes you really want to throw up or spending an amount of money that makes you want to throw up. Do you want to be better or not? And in my years of of sports, watching them, playing them, professional, collegiate, high school, every level, the only way to get better is to have better players. Mm -hmm. You can coach guys up to the maximum of their ability. You can be the best coach with all the best X's and O's, but if they got a few guys on the other side and you don't got them guys, eventually it ain't going to work. Now, you play them 10 times, maybe you get them once, maybe twice, but 80% of the time you're losing. And so you have to find guys that compete that stay healthy, that are available, that are willing, that are ready to do everything that is required every single day. Not when it feels good, not when it's comfortable, even when it's uncomfortable. You got to go out and find those guys and you got to go out and sign those guys. And just saying, oh, we signed a pitcher. Is this pitcher going to be great for you or is he going to be good or is he going to be average? What has he been throughout his entire career? Mm -hmm. And that generally tells you what he will be going forward. That, that's the bottom line. And so the Cardinals have a decision to make. Do I want to spend money and be better? Do I want to spend a little bit money, a little bit of money and, and be maybe a little bit better? Or do I not want to spend any money and just stay where I am?
Yeah. And that's the decision that they are in right now. It is. And you mentioned pew point. I wish that the Cardinals would get to their pew point when it comes to spending and not get sticker shock. But right now, it just feels like we're getting the at that pew point of that same just sickly feeling of it happening over and over again. Well, that's Carrie. I'm Brooke. Coming up next, we're going to go to the celebrity line to talk to Bernie Ferdurko about the Blues, who are doing really well, if you haven't noticed lately. That's coming up next here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and we go to the Blues booth and visit with our friend, Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico. Bernie, how are you doing, sir? Good, Kerry. I'm doing great. How are you guys this morning? We're doing great. I'm sure you're doing much better watching this Blues team <laughs> play in the way that they have been playing lately. What, is, what has changed? What has been this shift that they've had? I just think it's just a matter of time. I mean, we talked about it earlier is that they all got to get on the same page, and I think they're on that. They're playing with some some intensity. They've got energy. They've got excitement. They've got some confidence now. So I I think it's it's a little bit of everything. But, uh, you know, it was kind of a rough ride, and and I I think that, uh, you, you know, you know as well that, You've got a lot of pride in yourselves. You've got a lot of pride in your team. And, and you don't like to lose. No one likes to lose. And when you find the way and you find the combination that makes you win, everybody gets excited about it. And I think that's where they are at right now. Well, Bernie, we know how important establishing an identity is for a team. It felt like the Blues really struggled with that last season, and we saw how last season went. Are we starting to see an identity emerge for the Blues? And if so, what do you think it is? I hope so. I mean, I think it's a hardworking, fast-paced team. And I think that at the beginning of the year, it looked like they were playing really slowly. Uh, it seems that they couldn't find the pace that they needed to play at. And I think that they found that pace now. So I think uh, if their identity is going to be anything, it's going to be a hardworking, I think, blue-collar, hard-for-checking team that skates all the time. I mean, they've been back-checking. They've been playing the full 200-foot game, and they're scoring some goals. And I think we all thought they were going to score goals. At the beginning of the year, I, I think that the question mark was going to be whether they could play well enough defensively. And I, and I think that obviously the way the goaltending has been, Bennington's been great. Ofer's played really well when he's been in there. And, and they're doing the right thing. They're keeping the shots to the outside. And right now we're seeing a team that, that has got a lot of energy. And, and, I, and I think that they have, have found their way. This is the type of team that they're going to play. And if they can play with this energy and the way they're skating all the time, this is going to be a fun rest of the year. I think defensively and, and on this team, we often talk about Tory Krug and, and Pareko, and you know people are often on them. They've been playing extremely well. Tory Krug had two great passes uh, that led to goals in the last game, and, and Pareko obviously scored a goal and been playing extremely well as well. What have you seen from those guys? Well, Terry, I think that's the thing that, that with the defense. I mean, this loose defense maybe is not the greatest defensive team, but I, I think that uh, offensively, these defensemen can really get involved, and I think we're seeing that right now. Pareko jumping up with the play, scoring a big goal the other night, and Tory Krug. I mean, let's not forget that he is an offensive defenseman. I mean, he was very successful with the Bruins uh, with the passing game. He was the quarterback on the power play. Uh, he scored goals. He, he was part of the offense all the time, and 
And last year, for whatever reason, things didn't work out the way he didn't have. He maybe had a little bit of an off year. I mean, for the first, what, 10 games of the season, he was having a struggle getting involved with the scoring. Well, now he's found that way. He's jumping into the plays right now. And, and I think all of the defense are getting much more involved offensively. And I think we're seeing like five men. We always talk about five man units, how the defense moves up with the play. And then, you know, of course, the back jerkers, the, the forwards have to come back with the play. When the, when the puck is turned over. But we're seeing more of that from the defense now. They're joining the rush. They're, they're joining the play. They're getting the puck at the point. I think that's something that, that uh, Craig Ruby was, was stressing, too, is get get the puck back to the point when they're open and let the defensive make some plays. And we're seeing all that. So it's 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 been a really, a, I think, a real great transitional five-man unit every time they're out there now. And I think that's why they're getting success out of the defense right now. We're talking to Holly, a Hockey Hall of Famer and Blues TV analyst Bernie Federko, Federko. And Bernie, I wanted to ask you about Kasperi Kapanen, him coming up to the top line, because we were discussing this with Robert Thomas earlier. Then we have Ruby splitting up Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. And with Kasperi Kapanen coming up to that top line, it seems like he's really emerged for the Blues, and this has become more of a breakout season for him. Yeah, Brooke, he's got a lot of speed, and he's fit in really well. I mean, I think what, what has happened, and we've all talked about that, is that you can't really kind of – well, a lot of times you'd want to put all your, you know, peas in one pod, and that's kind of what uh, Chief has done is split up the two lines, as you mentioned, with uh, both Robert Thomas and Cairo, who we thought were going to play together for the most part. But he split them up, and, and now, yes, the emergence of Kapanen. And I think that's – you know, when when, when uh, Armstrong was able to pick uh, – um, um, Capitan up last year from Pittsburgh on waivers. I think it was really one of those things that hey, there's a guy that's got a lot of speed that is going to have a, have a lot of motivation coming into a you know a contract year that he's a one year left on his deal that that he's going to want to really show the world what he has. And I think that's been a really good fit right now. And um, you know I think that we like we'd like to see him obviously shoot the puck a little bit more and, and score some more goals. But I think he's really fit in well with, with Robert Thomas right now. You know, Buchnevich is, is such a, a really good player too. So uh, when you got three guys like that, and of course you got the Shen line with Saad and, and Cairo, I mean, you've got uh, two back-to-back lines that can really do a lot of damage offensively. So uh, Kaplan has been a, a really good find right now. And, and uh, he, I hope, uh, you know, we're probably going to see Mexican matching that we always do uh, from Chief. Uh, but uh, right now, the way the lines are going right now, everybody's scoring, and, and Kapanen's been a big part of it. You're talking about the lines, and, and Craig Berube talks about an identity an identity line, that fourth line being that there were a few games ago where that fourth line actually started the game. That that line has felt like, to me, been the catalyst of all of the things that are going on and everybody raising their play. Have you seen that as well? Or, or is that line really the, the, the part of the reason why this team is playing so much better? Well, if we go back to 2019, the fourth line you know, was, was Barbershev, uh, Sundquist, and, and Steen, and they started a lot of games, and they played very, very well. They did set the tone for, for the games for, for really most of the end of the year and into the playoffs. So, yes, that line is the identity line right now. I mean, you've got them uh, four-checking, and I think Sundquist is playing absolutely outstanding. I mean, uh, we all know the speed of Torbchenko when, when he gets going and, and, you know, neighbors, whether he's on that line or, or with Sammy Blay, I mean – those guys are know what their job is, and that's to get in on the forecheck, uh, make sure that they finish their checks and, and cycle a puck and, and really to just add some some energy to, to the rest of the team. And, yes, the, they have really emerged as a as a line that can really, really cause a lot of, of chaos, I guess, in the offensive zone, and they're doing their jobs, and no one wants to play against them. So, yeah, I think that um, we're probably going to see that line start an awful lot because just to set the tone of the game.
Well, Bernie, hopefully they can keep the good times rolling during this West Coast trip. What are you expecting tonight against the Sharks with the Blues? Well, I expect the best when you you look at it. I mean, the Sharks are really, really struggling. The Blues, I mean, what, the one last three games where they scored 15-3. to three. So, I mean, they're they're playing very confidently right now. And, and the Sharks are, are, are one of those teams that was really depicted to be at the bottom of the league anyway. So, uh, this is one game that you make sure that you don't, you know, let up and you don't be in a situation where you take this team for granted. Because, I mean, the Sharks say they beat Edmonton, they beat so who else? Philadelphia, I think they, they played two pretty good teams. They're only two wins. So it's one of those situations now. Uh, these are points that you have to have. you got to put them in the bank, as most teams are going to put them in the bank against that. So they got to make sure that they're ready for this game tonight. Bernie, that, that Sharks team struggling, to say the least, giving up 10 goals in back-to-back games. Have you ever been? Had you ever been a part of anything like that? <laughs> you know what? I'm not sure. I mean, we, we were not a very good team when – that went back in uh, what seventy seven, seventy eight, and seven no seventy six, seventy seven, and no seventy seven, seventy eight, and seventy eight, seventy nine. Uh, we didn't make the playoffs, and uh, we were not very good. I think we only had eighteen wins one of those years. So I don't know if we led in ten goals a night though, and that, that's pretty hard to do, especially back to back. But uh, uh, there were not, there were some 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 games that were were pretty ugly too. But uh, certainly you learn from those games, and you know what the Sharks still hey the professionals. Uh, they understand uh, that, that they don't want to be embarrassed. So, so they, you know, obviously they played much better since those things happened. But you can never take a team for granted because these guys got a lot of pride themselves too. So this this is one thing that I'm, I know that that Chief will be stressing all day today at practice and stuff. But let's you know don't be playing to their level and then all of a sudden get in a situation where you struggle to win a game that you're supposed to win. So it needs to be all out tonight and, and get an early lead and then just play with it and and make sure you win this game tonight. Well, Bernie, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be catching you this evening on the pregame show for the Blues. Game starts at 9.30. Look forward to seeing you. Talk to you next week. Sounds good. You guys have an afternoon nap so you can stay up late to watch the game. So <laughs> oh, you can get yeah. Up Definitely <laughs> going to need that. <laughs> Appreciate you. That was Blues. That was Hall of Famer Bernie Federico. Bernie Federico joining us, and uh, Blues got a got a good game, good matchup tonight. Hopefully, they can take care of business. I'm excited, and hopefully, they can keep the good times rolling. But you never know. I I just want to see just some consistency built here. Yes. That's what you talked about. I don't want the Athletics to be right about it being such an up and down season for the Blues, and hopefully, this is something they can build off of. Hopefully, that's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up next is the fight in. We need a fighter. So you'll get to, to take fight on, me. Yes, there you instead go. Instead of Randy Carragher. Don't think it's going to be easy, though. The bearded brain is yes, back. Yes, I'm ready to roll. Coming up, text if you want to fight me, text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. That's 314-399. Yo-ho. The fight is next. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the here alongside Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio in studio. No Randy Carricker today, so that means it is going to be the bearded brain stepping into the fight, and we're going to welcome in Chris. Chris, you're taking on the bearded brain, and you had some words from him on the text line. You said, I want to destroy Kerry. 
It's all talk. I'm probably going to lose pretty badly. Chris, Chris, you got to back it up. Look, I was getting destroyed for my breakfast takes, and I just had to sit here and take it and back it up. So you have to do um, that. 68% of the YouTube chat disagrees with you, Brooke. Whatever. Try to be humble. (laughs) There you go. All right. Are you ready to take on the Bearded Brain, a.k.a. CD, in the fight today, Chris? Yes, ma'am, I am. Okay, we'll go ahead and get started. Sam Howell currently leads the NFL in passing yards while the Commanders sit at 4-6 and six on the season. In the last 25 seasons, only one quarterback has led the league in yards while leading a below 500 team. Who was it? Was it Matt Schaub, Dante Culpepper, or Jameis Winston? Jameis Winston. Last night, LeBron James became the second oldest player in league history to record a triple-double at 38 years old. In 2003, who recorded the first and only triple-double by a 40-year-old player? Was that Michael Jordan, Gary Payton, or Carl Malone? Gary Payton. Blake Snell became just the second lefty to win a Cy Young in both leagues. Who was the first? Was it Johan... That was quick, Chris. There you go. By the way, can you just repeat what your answer was? Randy Johnson. Thank you. The largest margin of victory in the bragging rights game is a 32-point victory by the Illini in 2005. Who led the Illini in scoring that game with 17? Was that D. Brown, James Augustine, or Marcus Arnold? Uh, Augustine. A freebie for Terry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. That's why I put it on there. I, I, I want him to get it wrong, and then I can make fun of him for that. We're going to double-check the score, and we're going to bring in Kerry Davis. All right, Chris, how are you feeling? Oh, 100%. Oh, you're feeling you're feeling confident now, so you want to back that up again when Kerry comes in here, that you're ready not to destroy him? No? No? <laughs> no? no? I was not expecting uh, Hockey would have been a little bit more... Uh, favorable questions. Rocchio likes to do that. Yeah, I feel like even though he doesn't know exactly who he's going to pick, I feel like he knows that it's maybe not the questions that person wants. It's all hockey. I'm not, sure why I'm, all, I'm not sure why I'm always catching 60s up. baseball. I was always like, oh, I didn't know these ones. Yeah, I knew I knew ahead of time. <laughs> 1960s <laughs> baseball, Rock? Um, Ken Boyer. No. My answer. You're good. Okay. <laughs> Gary, are you ready to take on Chris in the fight today? Say hi to Chris today. Hey, Chris, how you doing? How are you, sir? I'm well, thank you. Chris doing talked great. a little trash in the text line, but he's not exactly Larry Bird. He he immediately backed. backed oh, him. okay. Well, he, he said it was all in fun. He said he's going to destroy you. Yeah. Well, let's just see how this goes. Destroy. All right, you ready, Kerry? I am ready. Question number one: Sam Howell currently leads the NFL in passing yards, while the Commanders sit at four and six on the season. Mm-hmm. In the last twenty-five seasons, only one quarterback has led the league in yards while leading a below five hundred team. Who was it? Last twenty-five years, led the league. Is this the entire season for an entire season? Uh, led the league in passing and was had a b- below five hundred record. Well, that could be anybody. When you lose and you pass a lot, Shush. But it's only happened one time. Clearly. Uh, I don't... Part of me wants to say, oh, Brett Favre, but I don't know if he ever... What losing season would he have? it got to be a, a, an all-time great... 25 years? So what year is that? 97? 1999. 99, okay. Since 99. Okay. I'm counting this season because I wanted it to be a round number. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. Not a problem. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> 
logic says Brett Favre would would have to be on that list. It yeah. wouldn't be. You can admit that my questions are awesome, and that you're not going to do it Randy style. Just no, nah, I'm going to do it Randy style. Okay, fine. Um, Rock, you can get mad at me because I'm going to take a while here. It, I wouldn't say Peyton Manning because they were always a, eh, not Drew Brees. They had winning records, even though Drew Brees is throwing for a lot. Definitely not Brady. Now I'm really doing Randy style. I, I, I'll go with my first thought. It, it, Brett Favre is the one that comes to mind. Oh, God, I got to read this one. Sorry. Uh, last night, LeBron James became the LeBron second oldest Iron. player in league history to record a triple-double at 38 years old. In 2003, who recorded the first and only triple-double by a 40-year-old player? 2003, mm-hmm. 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Damn, who was 2003? Who was 40? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like who was still playing and playing legit minutes at 40? GP, no. Carl Malone? You know he was on that Lakers team that they said only God could beat and the Pistons beat him. Uh, I know I'm gonna need these options later. Give me the option. No, you know what, Carl Malone. Let me save that option for later. Well, that was a closey. All right. Question number three. Blake Snell just became the second lefty to win a Cy Young in both leagues. Who was the first? Okay, give me the options. Oh, Thank you. That was quick. It worked out. Yep. Johan Santana, Randy Johnson, or Steve Carlton? Oh. Did Randy Johnson win? It's Randy Johnson. Let's say he won it with the Mariners and the D-backs. The largest margin of victory in a bragging rights game is a 32-point victory by the <laughs> Illini in 2005. ILO. Who led the Illini in scoring that game with 17? That would either be D, Darren, or Luther. 05. What year did they go to? They went to the. Darren was gone. Ooh, was it Aaron Raj? Let's go. Let's go Luther Head. We have a tie. Mm. Gosh darn it. Chris, is so Chris thought number four was a gimme for you, and it wasn't. Ah, dog it. I'm going to hold that over you forever. Oh, was, it, was it D Brown? It wasn't. It yes. was 100% D Brown. Gosh uh, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> so, we have a tiebreaker. We have to go to our tiebreaker question. But, Carrie, you get another gold. Oh, sorry. Not gold. My bad. Sorry. You get another orange and blue second chance. There because here's our tiebreaker question. Let's go through the rules really quickly. I'm going to read out the question. Carrie will have a uh, moment to write down his answer. Chris, we will then get your answer audibly. Carrie will then share what his answer is and hold it up to the camera. Chris, do you understand those rules? Yes, sir, I do. Carrie, do you have paper and uh, pen? Uh, yes. Do you understand the rules? Uh, yes. Do this every day. The Illini currently lead the bragging rights series through its 53-game history. How many times have the Illini won the bragging rights game? 53 more than... The Illini currently lead the bragging rights series through its 53-game history. How many times have the Illini won the bragging rights game? Just a moment, Chris. Carey is thinking. He's doing math. He's crossing things out. He's moving his number. It has changed. Is that your final answer? Yes. Okay, so we have Carrie's guess. Chris, what is your guess, sir? Uh, they were good in the early 2000s, so we'll go 30. 30 31 for Illinois. 31 for Illinois. Mm. Carrie Davis, what had you written down before Chris gave his answer for 31? I wrote 32. 
Ooh, baby. <laughs> All right, then. So, by an absolute just hair, just littlest bit possible, was Chris able to take down Carrie? Or does Carrie not have to deal with an angry mega mind tomorrow? Mm. Mm. The winner of this fight, ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker. Just win, baby. They don't ask how. They ask how many. Carrie Davis gets it because the fighting Illini are 33 and 20 against the Missouri Tigers. Chris, I am so sorry. You were so close. You want to share? Carrie just barely got you. You want to share what I scratched out before? Carrie scratched out 30 and then put in 32 just before he raised it. Before I raised it. That is insane. I mean, inches, moments away from a victory, Chris. An incredible job in the fight. You both got two correct. Good job. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Absolutely. Let's go through those questions and answers. Sam Howell currently leads the NFL at passing yards, while the Commanders sit at 4-6 and six on the season. In the last 25 seasons, only Jameis Winston has led oh. the league in passing in 2019, and Ooh. his team has been below 500. They were 7-9. and nine. Um, the Carolina Panthers. Um, no, it's it's it's, it's 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 him and uh, Sam Howell. He leads it this yeah. year. Steve Burline, <laughs> Burline, uh, excuse yeah. me. Um, in 1998, the Panthers were eight and eight, and he led the league okay. in passing. And that's that's why my my cutoff date was 1999. <laughs> uh, so James Winston on the first one last night. LeBron became the second oldest player in league history to record a triple double at 38 years old. It was in fact a 40 year old Carl Malone who put up a triple double in that game. Blake Snell just became the second lefty to win a Cy Young in both leagues. It was, in fact, Randy Johnson the first. The largest margin of victory by in a bragging rights game. 32 points by the Illini. They had four scores in double figures, all of them around 17, mm. but it was only D. Brown who got to that 17-point mark for mm. the victory and the Illini. So a 2-2 tie reason. for carry and a win in the tiebreaker. Hey, you, you did... You did you did uh, orange and blue right yeah, with did. the tiebreaker, and so you got to you you go. win today. Good job, Carrie. Thank you again, Chris, for joining the fight and joining the show today. Thanks. Have a good day, guys. Yeah, too. Wow. That was the definition was of clutch CD at the <laughs> end there. What a shame. That was wow. so good. All right. Well, that's Carrie on Brooke. Coming up next, we're going to discuss the 49ers have popped up as the Vegas favorites, favorites in the NFC. I don't know, guys. Maybe Vegas has something wrong about this as the favorites in the NFC. Did they forget about the Eagles existing? Either way, we're going to discuss that coming up next here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio in studio. No Randy Carricker today. He is probably out on the golf course. He has been texting us and he was very proud of you, CD, ah, for I'm winning the fight. Glad I could hold it down until he got back. Thank you. You did it. It's a tough task. It was Trust very me. clutch. Can we dive in? What happened? What went into your mind when he made the change from 30 to 32? <laughs> what, well, what, what happened to Kerry Davis in that moment? 30 just felt like it, was, uh, it wasn't enough. You know, and the, the Illini, we, we give more, so... I felt the need to give more in that moment. Wow. And, and you thought D. Brown, though, that one game held back a little bit? Well, I thought D. Brown would be more of a facilitator because gotcha. that's okay. what he gotcha. does. Gotcha. He facilitates, gets people involved, and, you know, 
I just thought it might be a trick question, knowing Matthew Rocchio. You And that's another thing. I think that it adds another layer to the fight, no, no is question. that you also had to factor I, in, is he trying to do a gotcha I question I definitely here? thought he was trying to get, get one over him. I knew it wasn't Darren. I thought Darren was already gone, but Luther or, or oh. D would uh, definitely be on that list. It was a great fight, and the bearded brain showed up once again today. So here's a big question right now. In the NFL, the 49ers have popped up as the Las Vegas favorites in the NFC just ahead of the Eagles. Are you seeing eye-to-eye with odds makers right now? Are you seeing eye-to-eye with the Vegas? And I just want to put it out here. I don't think Vegas is always accurate with Mm -hmm. their assessments sometimes. But why do you think that they see it as the 49ers should be ahead? Well, I think when you're looking at the NFC side of things, the the Eagles have only lost one game. And it was a terrible game to the Jets. They turned the ball over too many times. Uh, Jalen Hurts threw three interceptions. That's really that's the only blemish that they have on their record. They haven't been playing, clicking on, on all cylinders yet, but they are still an elite team. I think the 49ers are looked at as probably the favorites because of the style of play that they have. They have so many weapons. And, you know, when Debo Samuel was out, when Trent Williams was out, they lost those three games. And that was part of the reason why they lost them. You you don't have those two guys who are all pro caliber players. Trent Williams, one of the best offensive linemen in the league. You missing that guy left tackle, it definitely changes things for your offense. And we saw that Brock Purdy wasn't as successful, but then they come back from a bye week healthy and then they just go and beat the hell out of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think that probably lays is fresh on some people's minds. Now, the Eagles play the Chiefs this weekend on, on Monday night. If the Eagles handle the business in the way that they, they are capable of doing, that number that, that that idea might change that the Eagles are the best team. Do you still have some concern, concerns, though, about Brock Purdy and his abilities? Eh, I, not if people are healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think... I think if you can can I mean they they have Kyle Shanahan has done a great job of finding ways to get his best players the ball, moving them around, putting them in different positions. It is so much stress on the defense when you do not know where the person is going to align. If you have a receiver in the backfield and now you got to put a, a safety in the box to to if you're in man to man, it just changes. It it really eliminates what you can do defensively because now you're probably going to be in zone because they aren't aligned in the way that you want them to align. Kira, sometimes I, I I have a tendency to to talk about interceptions and stuff that you know, maybe, maybe they went through a guy's hands or maybe it shouldn't have been an interception and so I don't think you should you know you know or it you know you you shouldn't count it. Brock Purdy, for example, got a touchdown pass against the Jaguars that Kyle Shanahan called the worst pass he's ever seen Purdy throw. Yeah. So even though it was a touchdown pass, the worst pass he's ever seen him throw was then he lobbed it going. He was going left and he lobbed it over two players. It was too high for Kittle and it, and and Ayuk still came down with it. When he's making those kind of plays, and they're still and and that's what's getting them through. Does it does it make you worry about what does it look like in the NFC Championship game against an Eagles defense? No, I, I think if that Eagles team, if that Forty uh, ers team is healthy, you have a much better game than took place in that championship game with the Eagles and the 49ers. It, it changes things. But I don't know that Brock Purdy – I haven't seen him really rattled other than when his guys were not on the field and they weren't performing well. They lost one game where the field goal kicker missed the kick at the last uh, at the last second to, to win that game. So that was one game that they lost. But when you're looking at them and how they play, the style of play that they have, the physicalness, they, they are a tough, hard-nosed football team both offensively and defensively. I just don't think that they are the better 
team in comparison to the Eagles. Well, and the conversation here is which team is going to be the favorites for the NFC. We talked about the 49ers. We talked about the Eagles. But should the Lions be a part of this conversation? I still think the Lions are a year away. I just have felt that all season long. I haven't felt like like they're they're going to win. They're they're, they're going to win their division. Two. They're going to win their division. But again, getting into the playoffs and not having a lot of um, experience, not having a lot of guys that have done it on this team or at a high level, it, it just changes things. And so I don't think that this Lions team is a team that I fear necessarily. They are a really good team right now, but I don't. I don't think when it comes playoff time that they'll be a team that you have to worry about. We got a solid text here from the 636. Maybe Vegas realizes that Philly's pass defense and turnover-prone QB are hidden by their 8-1 and one record. Kerry, if you're 8-1, and one, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you hiding much? <laughs> just, hidden. just overall, and, and let's, let's frame it differently. Instead of why are the Eagles or why are the 49ers slightly um, higher than the Eagles right now in the, in the odds, why would you have the Eagles as the number one team over the 49ers if that was the case? In the NFC, I think they I, I think they are, I mean, one, their record obviously is 8-1. Is and one. That minus, that's hiding really bad minus, things, it, it was one bad game where Jalen Hurts stunk. Uh, he, was, he was terrible. He, he didn't play well. Yeah. He didn't perform well. Um, and again, I think this team is still figuring things out. They're a tough team to run on. They're going to play well up front. Their secondary is, re- is still really good. So, I trust the Eagles right now more than I trust the uh, the 49ers. Not by much, though. I mean, that three-game losing streak for me for the 49ers was was a little bit eye-opening. It, it, it worried me about them. Now, again, they were able to go down to Jacksonville and beat the hell out of them with no issues. But if I'm looking at an eye test and I'm saying which team would I take, I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles right now over the, over the 49ers. That's Kerry Davis. I'm Brooke Grimsley. And coming up next, we're going to have our Rush Hour Reset. We were just talking about Las Vegas and their odds, but we just got some news that a team is on the move to the Las Vegas. Officially, we're going to discuss that coming up next here on the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. His sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And as Brooke teased prior to the break, the Oakland Athletics and the baseball owners have approved their move from Oakland Unanimous. to Las Vegas. That's the unanimously. Big yes, unanimous. <laughs> I, I feel bad for Oakland, man. Like I, I, I do. Yeah. They, they, you lose the Raiders. The Warriors go across the bridge to San Francisco. Now you're losing your baseball team. Like, come on, man. And I hate the notion, too, because I think that St. Louis fans can really resonate this, that there is a narrative that has really been put out there by the owners and some others where it's like, well, fans weren't showing up to the A's game. Well, what was the owner doing? He wasn't spending money. He wasn't really putting any money into the team. And it was all purposeful so that people wouldn't go out there. Because why would you go out and spend your hard-earned money to see something that you know he's purposely trying to tear apart because he wants to sell it or he wants to move it, excuse me. He wants to move it to another location. It's not a secret. It does very much feel like the whole Ram situation, right? Where it's very public, his feelings and what his intentions are. You know that there's another 
other city that he's looking at. But then they try to somehow put it back on the fans like it's your fault or the city's fault as to why this move is happening. Just say what you want to say. Vegas is where the money's at. That's where you want to go. You don't really care about the fan base and the fans being impacts. there. Yeah. That's that's 100% what it is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's always about the money. Not anything else. Nothing else matters. When you have a bunch of money, you want only thing to make you more happy is more money, right? Yeah, this, I just I feel bad for the for the Oakland area again, just because here's the thing: they've been get, the Oakland area has been getting so much spillover because there's no real estate for tech companies in San Francisco. So Oakland's been like a top five budding like tech hub mm-hmm. for the last ten years because businesses have to set up there. But now that's that's money for Oakland, and so the the Warriors one is still probably the worst one because it's just like they literally just. Went across the street, and it's like it's the closest one. You can still go watch games pretty easily, but it's almost like the you you trade right across the street, right across the freaking street. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult task, man. I mean that that is hard for fans of that that city that have grown up as Raiders, as Mm -hmm. you know, um, Oakland A's fans. I I used to love the Oakland Athletics when I was a kid. It was it was one of my favorite teams to watch. Ricky Henderson was one of my favorite players as a kid. It was just, you know, you look at that city and the things that they've lost over the last couple of years and you just have to feel you have to feel bad for him. Yeah, you do. And I just think about, remember yesterday I brought up the quote that Bob Nightingale had with John Fisher, the A's owner, when he was talking to some of those pre- uh, protesters that were at the owners' meetings where he said, it's been a lot worse for me than you. Hmm. Yeah, probably doesn't have a uh, real outlook on, per- real perspective You're on things. You're telling me that the trust fund baby of the people who own the Gap might not have a great perspective on, I don't know, reality as a as a regular human being in this country? Eh, probably. <laughs> no. This has, been, this has been hard for him, no. Ross. This speaking has been of, really hard for uh, him. Speaking of the, the city of Oakland. What's a gallon and, of milk cost? $35? Uh, <laughs> how would he know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> has he been to a grocery store? No! <laughs> speaking of the city of Oakland and going to San Francisco, <laughs> the, the Warriors... Draymond Green was suspended for five games after his chokehold on one Rudy Gobert. No money. He five got, games he, without five pay. Games, yeah, five games without pay. He's getting, he's getting fined. Can you obviously. imagine the podcast we're going to get next week? Listen, man, it, <laughs> I, I personally didn't have an issue with it. You, you protect your people. Somebody grabs your guy, you grab him a little bit harder. That's not my problem. That's your problem. Get him off of me. You should really, if you're Rudy Gobert, you should really be mad at Carl Anthony Towns for his lack of effort of getting you out of this chokehold. Here's what I'll say: you should this. be mad at yourself as well. <laughs> Here's where you cross the line, and this is where I think the five games come from. You pull a guy back, and maybe you do go with with a chokehold. Maybe that's not too loud. But as soon as you do the thing where you take your second hand and you lock Clamp that chokehold, yeah. and then you start pulling back to the point where this guy might not be able to breathe in a second. That's where it you was go. Over. That's where you go from. This is a brawl. This is a thing where a scuffle. To I'm trying to hurt somebody maliciously. Well, here's the thing. If you watch the and video, that's why you suspend him. Like, that's like fine. You do. Five games. He'll be okay. If you watch the video, and I think he'll take five. He probably would have taken ten. He he didn't. He knew what he was doing when he did it. If you watch the video, Rudy Gobert gets his arm over Clay 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 uh, Thompson's shoulder, almost around his neck. And so when Dre lunges, his his arm, Rudy Gobert's arm, is right up on his shoulder, ready to go on Clay's neck. And so he stopped it. I have a problem with it. 
With Draymond, though, I think it's his history that also plays into this. If it was a different player, maybe people wouldn't pay attention to it as much. But I think that it was the technique, right? That you have somebody in a Mm -hmm. chokehold. It it was almost a sleeper hold. If you're going to choke somebody, you got to choke them correctly. That that changes a chokehold. Like, you put your brother in a chokehold, you just go one arm. You put somebody who's trying to hurt you you in a chokehold. Not when he was trying to actually put me in a sleep, like, full on go to sleep, go to sleep. Like, that never actually happened. Like, I was never actually, like, worried about my oxygen levels. Well, well, I understand, but hey, not his fault. <laughs> second, no, that's second hand. That's, that second hand is a deliberate move. And come what on, about? I was more bothered with Charles Barkley acting like well, these guys. I'm, what a, I'm worried. That not, bothered me. You're not going to have like a team talk with the Illini this year at any point, like before the bragging rights game. So are here's you? the thing. You, oh God, listen, no. Hold on. Oh, no, 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 this is no, no, this is no, no, this no, is no, some no. truth here, Nick Honor. I'm, I'm so I'll sorry. I will give buddy. you some truth. So Lovey asked me and and Dana Howard to talk to the football team. Okay. Okay. And so. This was some years ago. <laughs> you went too hard, didn't you? Yes! Dana and I are, that's like my big brother. So Dana ha- understands the intensity required to play this game, as do I. And so we were really never asked to come back and speak to the team. Oh, my it was, God. It was, it, football is a violent sport, man. These young men have to understand it's either hit or get hit. And if you don't want to get hit, Brooke, you got to hit. Did and you, they, and did they didn't f- like that advice? It was a little more colorful. Oh, okay. Did you Can you give like, us like a little taste? Nah, Just not a on little air. taste? Nah, it was, it was, did no. you forget no? like where Lovey came from before he was with football St. Louis? Football is football, who, okay. and it's played in one way. <laughs> and, and, and you played for who when you were with the Colts? Tony Dungy. And Lovey Smith has a similar role. That's fine, but also played in Pittsburgh where Mike just, Tomlin said the most physical team will win. Now, I'm either just, you hit or get hit. I'm just picturing like a terrified Lovey Smith just like, oh my God, what did I do? Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, it was probably they not. Um, I don't know if it might have been spring ball. This wasn't the pregame. You can't tell them to like take the soul out of their teammates. Why are you playing this game? For what purpose? You in it for you in it for it all, or you just here for a good time? (laughs) If you in it for this, we got to take care of business. I wish that there was cameras around for this, so that we get no. You'd say no. We need to. Nah. Um, so, yeah, oh been nice. so uh, Coach Underwood, no need to call Carrie. Um, you want your I guys fired up? No, I, you call me. I don't need the Missouri Tigers ready to run through a hey, hey, middle of bragging rights game. Don't throw December. any elbows. Don't be. Won't be no problem. It's called getting a rebound. Work on the sleeper hole. <laughs> there you go. Take some MMA classes while you're at it. The Blues play tonight versus the San Jose Sharks. Puck drops at 9:30 p.m. Uh, pre-game will start here at 8:30. You can hear. Curbs, is Joey back? Curbs and Joey uh, on the pregame show here at 8.30. And, and the Blues have been playing really well lately. It's been fun to watch them perform at the level they've been performing. Um, and so hopefully they can continue that tonight versus a a, not, a a team that is not really that good in the San Jose Sharks. No, I'm, but here's the thing, Carrie. I'm a little afraid to say that because you just never know. I feel like sometimes when you say that, you never know what exactly is going to happen in the game, and then you feel awkward afterwards. So I'm not ready to say that just yet. Are they good? No. And I'm talking about the Sharks specifically. Okay. 
But also, I just want to see the Blues build up some more consistency, which they have been able to do here lately. When we were talking to Bernie about the identity, we saw how the Blues really didn't establish any sort of identity, positive identity last season, right? Mm -hmm. I think that right now they're at least building towards that and playing the game that I think that Craig Berube has been wanting them to play all season. We talked a lot early on about this defensive system change, if it was a negative impact on the Blues, but if you look at the numbers specifically, Specifically with Tory Krug and Justin Falk, that pairing working together, there's already a huge difference from last season around this time and this season in their progression. Colm Pareko also looks fantastic. We were talking about him. He just looks like he's not overthinking and he feels very confident in who he is. And he had, I know we're talking to Jerry, Jeremy Rutherford here in just a few minutes, but Jeremy did an interview this offseason with Colm Pareko about how hard it was. He knew that there was a lot of frustrations with him. Right. Not only with Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube, but also with the fan base. And it seems like Colton came into the season, one, very healthy all around, but also a healthier mindset. And you're seeing that play out. Yeah, I mean, they are playing really well. Um, and it's fun to watch. That, that, that to me, has been the, the biggest thing. When they aren't p- performing well or, or giving the effort and energy, it's hard to watch this team. But the way that they've been playing co- collectively and, mm-hmm. and connected, I think, has been really good to see uh, for the Blues. And you can tell when we were talking to Robert Thomas yesterday, he's feeling a lot better. Yes. I mean, you, everybody you say, feels better when you win. Oh, it, it, are you saying it's a cure-all? It, it, there you go. Yes. yes. <laughs> Losing is draining. Everybody becomes friends then whenever you're winning together. <laughs> yes, they do. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up next, we do have Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. We'll talk to him about what he's seeing from this Blues team. That's next on The Opening Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Rutherford Report with our Blues Insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Drive Brooke Grimsley here alongside Super Bowl champ Carrie Davis and Matthew Rocchio, and we go to the celebrity line to talk to the superstar, the celebrity, and that is the Athletics Jeremy Rutherford. JR, how are you doing today? Good, good. Not a chance, Brookie. Stop it with that, but uh, I'm doing a lot better now. <laughs> hey, guys, I, I just walked into the gym, and usually people will come up and say, uh, like, how long are you going to stay on that uh, cardio? Or, or uh, hey, what? The, how's your diet? What have you been eating? And, and today... <laughs> Today, instead, five people came up and said, what would you say to those blues? They're really playing good hockey. What would you do? So, so I guess it, uh, it helps me out when this team's playing well. Helps everybody out. There is a, a feeling of, I guess, easiness or relaxedness when you're winning games as opposed to losing. And this team has been playing really well lately. We, we saw this a little bit last year. You went on the seven, eight-game winning streak, and then you went on a seven-game losing streak. But this feels a little bit different, a lot different than last year. This team is is playing at a higher level. What have you seen in comparisons from last season's team that was going on those winning streaks to this season's team now? Yeah, you know, I guess looking back at it, it's a little bit easier to uh, kind of look back at what happened last year and dissect it. You know, in real time last year, it was tough. But I think now you can see that, I think when they won the seven games after losing the eight, it was a little bit of a pride situation. Hey, we're better than that. But still, you know, there were still issues. As we know, the defensive system and uh, the fact that uh, it wasn't going to get any better in terms of uh, not allowing those wide-open slot shots and, you know, kind of the different 
groups on the team. You had Tarasenko uh, on his way out the door, most likely. You didn't know what was going to happen with O'Reilly. You had uh, Kyrou and Thomas were kind of taking over the team carry. Uh, but now this year is a lot different. I think when you win five of six and you don't want to count your chickens before they hatch, but tonight's game against San Jose is really winnable. Like Bernie said earlier in the show, there's just a good energy, a good uh, momentum. And I think that because the changes on defense, and we see it's helping a couple of these defensemen that struggled last year, Colton Pareko and Tori Krug and, and a couple other guys, I think there's reason to, to believe that it can continue. So my answer is that there's, there's not some of those same issues that the team was dealing with last year. Well, speaking of Tory Krug, you have an article right now out on The Athletic that is titled, After a Slow Start, Tory Krug Has Started to Become the Solution for the Blues. What do you mean by that, JR? Yeah, well, I, the, the reason I use uh, that word solution in the story is because that's the word that Tory Krug used when he came out to uh, speak to the media in the preseason before everything got going. You know, during the offseason, I had a couple talks with Tory Krug uh, text-wise, and I said, uh, well, this is going to be a big story when we get to training camp in terms of, you know, you invoking the no trade clause and, and, and the pressure is going to be on. And he said, uh, well, I want to be part of the solution. And that's what he came out and, and told us uh, in that preseason gathering with the media. I want to be part of the solution. And, and so uh, you go 10 games without a point. Obviously, that's going to raise a red flag. A lot of us were bringing that up those first 10 games. And so the other night, he won you a game. And I think that if you look back at the last six games, he's played really well, guys. And, and so it was kind of it, – it, it felt good to talk to Tory Krug about how well he's playing and how he's been able to overcome what happened this summer and be part of that solution. JR, you, you – I think people tend to forget that, you know, you're a professional athlete, but you're also a person. And you're dealing with real-life things. And when you're looking at Colton Pareko and Tory Krug, the issues that they've gone through over the last year or so, Tory with the the trade and, and denying that, and Colton Pareko with maybe being injured or not playing at his highest level. What have you seen personally from those guys that has really shifted in their play and allowed them to have the success that they're having? Yeah, I just think they're going out there and doing what they've done best in their careers. And, you know, no one's sitting here saying that these guys are Hall of Fame defensemen, but we've seen it from these guys in the past, so they're capable of it. We've seen it with Colton Pareko uh, back in 2019 with Jay Bolmeister, and obviously he had that back injury. Uh, no jokes here, please. How long ago did he have that? I was about a week back. No, <laughs> no. JR, no. <laughs> no. He's just obviously been able to uh, overcome that, and, and uh, this year there was so much pressure on him because could you imagine if we had another year, uh, a start this year for Colton Pareko, like he played last year. It, everything, obviously, would be running him out of town, where's the trade, take anything, and, and people just didn't realize that it's hard to unload seven, eight years uh, of term on a contract, and that would have been difficult to do with, with Colton Pareko, but he has played unbelievable, unbelievable, and then smaller sample size just here recently, Tory Krug as well. So, I, you know, I'll tell you guys this. If you're Doug Armstrong and you had to write a list of two or three, four things that kind of had to happen for this team to be successful this year, sure, you can talk about scoring and Bennington and things like that, but right up at the top of the list would have been Colton Pareko and Tory Krug playing a lot better, and they're doing that. We're talking with Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic as we look at the Blues as they get ready to face the San Jose Sharks tonight and continue this West Coast trip. But I want to ask you, because we were thinking about this early in the season, discussing this, if we would see some more consistent playing time for Scott Perunovich, and now we're seeing that a little bit more. What have you seen from Perunovich and his addition? 
Yeah, I think with each game, um, you're seeing him knock the rust off a little bit, and that was kind of to be expected. Uh, talked to him a couple times, and he just said, gosh, I just want to stretch of games. That's it. And, and so I think he's uh, – with each game, you can kind of see him getting more comfortable. You know, how good is it now with a Tory Krug? You want to see the power play get better. Uh, those are the types of passes, granite five on five, that you get from a Tory Krug. Now you want to see that same decision making on the power play. Well, if that happens, then you have a Tory Krug running the number one power play and a Scott Perinovich running the number two. There's been so much talk about can you play Krug and Perinovich in the same lineup, and a lot of people say no, but I think they're proven in this last stretch that you can. And so the other thing that I think about uh, this, Brooke, with Prinovich being back in the lineup is it kind of coincides with when the team started playing better. And I think when you have a guy like Prinovich who can move the puck in that third pair, uh, I I think it's really helped the Blues with their transition game. So, you know, he's going to get better with more games, but putting Scott Prinovich back in the lineup has been a major plus for this team. All right, JR, the Blues are playing extremely well. Winners of five of the last six. Obviously, the power play is one thing that uh, they would like to get better, but are there any other areas that you think that Chief is really focusing on and and something that they would like to see better going forward? Yeah, no, that's a fair question because, uh, look, you you have a game tonight, and gosh, (laughs) you lose this one. I don't know if I want to come on with you guys next week. (laughs) (laughs) You got to come on so we can hear what Chief said. We got to hear that. Yeah, well, then you go back to the inconsistency uh, in terms of their play. But, uh, you know, honestly, with the way things are going right now, it, it's, it's, I think the focus is on the power play. And it's mm-hmm. been a little better lately, had a couple goals the other night. Um, and I know, I know you said aside from the power play, but, uh, you know, if I look at the lineup, they're getting good uh, production and good chemistry from each of the four lines. You look at Colton Pareko's play, great. Uh, the second pair, Falk and Krug, they've been the Blues' best pair. And now we just talked about Perinovich in the third pair. I think that's looked pretty good. And, gosh, what more can you say about uh, Jordan Bennington? So, you know, penalty kill, you know, hasn't been great every night. So maybe that's another little area of focus. But to me, it's power play, power play, power play. I mean, you're talking about five of six. You could be six of seven tonight, and you're still not really getting it from the power play. Mm -hmm. If you could, you know, this team could be a lot better. Is there another player that has really stood out to you other than the names that we have mentioned during this surge for the Blues? Uh, you know, I think uh, a name that we're certainly familiar with, but Oscar Sundquist, I think that fourth line has been uh, tremendous, and Sundquist is uh, leading that charge. Uh, I think since the benching, uh, Vrana's looked better. That shot was amazing the other night. We're not really probably talking about that play if he doesn't finish off that pass from Tory Krug with a goal. Um, so that's the, that's the type of talent he has with that shot. Um, I like Kapanen up with uh, Thomas. That's given a different look to that top six. And so far it looks like he's been able to handle it. So off the top of my head, you know, other than the guys we already talked about, those are the names that kind of stick out to me. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeremy, and enjoy your time. Are you already done with the gym, or did you say you no, finished that up today? No, we're going to go back in there. A little okay. split shift. we got 20 minutes in, and now we'll uh, head back in there. Uh, but, yeah, at least we'll be talking about the blues and not uh, Rutherford's physique here. <laughs> is it a cardio day or is this strength training day? Oh, is there is there a difference? I don't know. I just kind of go in there and hope they get a buffet or something. <laughs> Gary, any advice? Uh, cardio is always good. It, 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 it helps. Yeah, you, but here's the thing, Jr. You don't have to run. That, yes. That's the you can. If listen now, I, I've started doing this walk on an incline. Mm. Now it's going to be a high incline, fifteen as high as it's going to go, 15. 2.5 for thirty yeah. minutes. All right. You will feel All like right. you you will feel like you actually uh, got to it. So there you go. I'll, I'll do it right now, Carrie. I'll get back in there and do it. Let and it me does know how it goes. One, 
One time I was in the hotel gym uh, on the road, Blues are at a hotel, and I'll never forget, I was lifting a few weights, feeling pretty good about pumping the iron, and Jamal Mayers, the former Blue, walked in, and he said, you know there's some cardio over there. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Jamal. Jay, I would never do that to you. That is, that is funny, though. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jeremy, and we will talk to you later, okay? Uh, all right, see you guys. See you. All right, that is Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. The Blues facing off against the San Jose Sharks tonight, starting their West Coast trip, and that is a 9.30 puck drop, so be ready to stay up late tonight. Right, CD? Have your oh, coffee ready, yeah, multiple yeah. coffees ready? 9.15, get that cup of coffee in. <laughs> exactly, get that ready. Well, coming up next, we were talking about this earlier with Greg Amsinger. Despite his age and walk issues, Amsinger says that Blake Snell has staying power. Should that change how the Cardinals approach a deal with Snell. We're going to discuss that next coming up here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The guys that figure it out uh, after the age of 30 have staying power. I'm thinking about like my friend Al Leiter. Uh, Kenny Rogers, uh, Jamie Moyer, Rich Hill, but more specifically, pitchers that win their second Cy Young at age 30 or older, okay, which is what Blake Snell did. He's 30 years old. There are only three other left-handers that have ever done that. Blake Snell is not afraid of walking anyone anymore, and that's why he had such a meteoric rise. He walked more players than anybody in the National League. But his swing and miss stuff means, well, I'm not going to give in on three balls and one strike to you. I can strike the next guy out. In his mind, he's ahead in the count when the batter steps into the batter's box. That was our friend Greg Amzinger this morning on the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And, Brooke, Greg had some fair points about one Blake Snell who just won the Cy Young Award, uh, National League, and, and saying that he knows who he is. Mm-hmm. Pitchers that reach a certain age of thirty that that are confident and comfortable where they are in that in that role by that time are are usually have staying power and are going to be that for the remainder of their careers. So my question to you is, you got a choice, Blake Snell or Aaron Nola, oh. and you only get you got to pick one. If if I'm the Cardinals and that's that's the yeah. situation and saying that they will actually come here, the, the, money's, money's not the not conversation. A, money is not okay. an option. You the money is off. We we we're getting one of them. Which one you want, and why? I well, because also in that same conversation, Greg had a great point about Aaron Nola and his consistency and what he can bring, and also just the fact that I I might have to do Aaron Nola here, but. If I'm the Cardinals and you say that you are going to prioritize more swing and, swing and miss stuff mm-hmm. than they had previously before. You remember John Moselock mentioned that, that that's going to be a priority for them, especially moving forward. Do you go with Blake Snell in that situation? Because Blake Snell, by the way, 2.25 ERA to lead all of Major League Baseball. He was in the top five of pitchers in total strikeouts this past season, and that was 240 strikeouts over 180 innings of work. That was his second Cy Young, too, mm-hmm. that he was able to receive here recently. I think that Blake Snell is intriguing if you are looking for that. Because where is the rest of the swing and miss stuff coming from your starting rotation or even with what you have available with the Cardinals? Well, it's not there. <laughs> it's not. And that was one of the things that the Cardinals talked about, you know, in this transition from how the rules changed. 
they just, in my opinion, weren't up on the times and, and not understanding yes. that the game has changed. You can't have guys hitting balls to places where, where your where your fielders are no longer able to be. Wasn't there a rule they, change that happened? It was an entire, Wasn't I think there... everyone got the memo. We got it. So <laughs> I would assume that they got it as well. Um, but there will have to be a shift in their philosophy and how they go about attacking hitters. Blake Snell does have that, 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 that ability, that, ability mm-hmm. that mindset. For me, I think it would still be Aaron Nola, though. I, I think just watching him perform in big moments, you know, we, we saw it here last year. Those are the moments that really, I guess, drive the, 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 the bus for me. I want guys that are going to show up in that moment and not shy away from Not that Blake Snell does. And be a horse. Is be, that what you're saying? That's probably yes, more so what I'm looking for. Being a horse, giving me innings. Because with Blake Snell, 180 innings pitched last year. Not bad, mm-hmm. but not great. And so you want a guy that's going to give you 200-plus innings a year. And, and for me, it's going to be a guy like Aaron Nola. Um, and I just like what he brings to the table more so. Even though Blake Snell, like I said, you can't argue his numbers. You can't argue what his production has been. But for me, it will be Blake Snell because I think it helps out with other issues that you're lacking in terms of the bullpen. If you get Blake Snell, you're going to have to re-bolster that bullpen and, and make sure that you got guys in there that can take care of their business. Well, and they should be doing that anyway. They should be. That's what they should be doing. And with the conversations when it comes to the Cardinals and the budget and the spending that they're going to be doing this offseason, which we've discussed at length that concern about how this money will be spent, I think that the bullpen is a big co- part of that conversation, right? Is yes. That's how they're going to allocate some of that money. They're going to go out and probably get one starting pitcher and then trade for another. And then the swing man, whoever the swing man is, is going to count here. for that two and a half, which I feel bad for the pitcher being called two in it, or you're part of the half. You're not <laughs> half, even a real pitcher. Yeah, you're just yeah. half a man. Yeah. And then you're going to have to go and make some additions to your bullpen. I think that's what the Cardinals are taking to account. So why not? If you are the Cardinals and you look at Blake Snell and his abilities and you say that we're going to start our fixing our pitching philosophy, that's going to take a while down throughout your organization in the minor league system. That's going to take a while to really make these adjustments because the pitchers that they have been getting, as you mentioned, CD, are more pitch to contact. Now you have the band the shift. We saw how that affected some of the pitchers this past season for the Cardinals. You have to get it somewhere. You have yeah. to get more of that swing and miss from somewhere, and you probably should get it from free agency. And I'm looking at some numbers. I, I, when we talk about innings pitched, you you may look at Blake Snell and say, well, he pitched 180 innings this year. Well, Aaron Nola only pitched 193. Blake Snell has only pitched 180 innings twice. That's his highest. Mm-hmm. Aaron Nola, he's pitched 212, 202, 180 205, 193. Like he's going to give you those innings as opposed to what we talk about with Blake Snell, just not giving you enough. And and it's don't get me wrong, it's it's great what he's gonna give, but is, is it going to be enough? We saw this season that this bullpen was fatigued. They got tired. They didn't have enough because they were pitching too many innings because your starting pitchers were only giving you five. Some innings, some days it was four. Some days it may have been six, and that was a good day. But the quality starts even to start the season is really, I think, what set off the domino effect for that bullpen to not be well-rested as the season went on. And we saw what happened. We saw the number of blown saves mm-hmm. that this team had. All of those things are tied in. So for me, getting a pitcher that can eat up innings 
getting a couple of guys that can eat up innings and save your bullpen so they're not so gassed, not so fatigued. I think that's what leads to uh, having a better starting rotation and a better bullpen for 2024. I can see, and somebody pointed this out on the text line, that I can see Aaron Nola just fitting more in line with what the Cardinals have done in recent years. But this season taught you that you can't do what you've been doing in recent years. Aaron Nola, without a doubt, is a horse, and I think that would be fantastic to have in your starting rotation. But do you start to change things? If you say you're going to change your philosophy moving forward, then you have to start doing different things than you've done before. You have to change your approach this offseason if you're the Cardinals because you can't repeat the same story over and over and over again because you're going to get the exact same result. I do think it's interesting, and we discussed this too with Greg Amsinger, about the report that Jordan Montgomery is more interested in returning to one of the teams that he had previously been at. So that would be obviously the Cardinals, Rangers or even the Yankees. But if you notice, did you notice the CD? He kept talking about the Yankees no. more than the other teams. Well, no, I'm, I'm, it makes sense. I mean, you know, for me, the Cardinals had an opportunity to sign him. I think he wanted to resign. Yeah. Before the season, they decided to go with Miles Michaelis. They didn't resign Jordan Montgomery, uh, and they allowed him to. They they felt like he was going to leave, so they traded him at the trade deadline. He goes and wins a World Series. You have the kerfuffle with Wilson Contreras and somebody from the New York media, uh, or someone Michael K. I think it was Michael K., yep. giving giving someone giving Michael K. in the New York media information about catchers calling the wrong pitches for certain pitchers. Like all of those things happen. Those are real things, and so. If you're Jordan Montgomery, would you want to sign up for any amount of money for that again? And that, that those are questions that have to be asked, and it's probably not going to happen. But, Brooke, I wanted to talk about one other thing that really concerns me, and we talked yeah. about it earlier. We talked about this article on The Athletic, The Pitching Market Supply and Demand by Chad Jennings, and the words that came out of Mose Locke's mouth were a bit concerning to me. And that, that to me, it really tells me, it's kind of a window into what I think the Cardinals offseason will look like. And it says, I think we're able to add two starters, but they're not going to be like the guy. That's going to be hard. The upper tier of this market is going to be uber competitive. And that we know is, that. Where, do I have a white flag? Yes. That, that's, is that waving the white that's flag? That's what it sounds like to me. Do you know what it sounds like, CD? Because if you remember about the strategic mistake, because that's something that John, John Moselock mentioned, is that it could be a strategic mistake going with six starters and not possibly addressing that last offseason. And we saw that it was a strategic mistake to go with the six starters and maybe not getting something else outside of the organization. They were obviously very reliant on Jack Flaherty possibly returning as an ace. Or even Dakota Hudson maybe having a bigger role. They were very dependent on that. I feel like you might be, if that's what he's thinking... You're going to have that same mindset approach going into the season. And I also don't like the excuses because everybody, you you knew going into this offseason that everybody is looking for the top tier starting pitchers. Everybody is, essentially. Anybody who needs that is going to be vying for that. So that's not even a question of if yeah. that was going to happen or not. But it sounds like an excuse. And it reminds me of kind of the excuse of why maybe they didn't go get certain starting pitchers. You remember that? Where yeah, it was like, well, they they ended up well. They ended up injured. You remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. When he was discussing certain pitchers that yeah. they probably were pursuing, you don't know that that was going to happen. I think that it's the excuses that are concerning because well, you can't use it as sticker shock as a reason why you're not going out and getting something that is needed for this team to be successful. Yeah, you you definitely definitely need some arms and some some stars to. Uh, 
help get this team over the hump because that last year is is not going to be acceptable again. No, it was it has to be a one and done type of situation for losing ninety one games. So if you lose ninety again, I tell you, it's going to be anarchy. Be <laughs> <laughs> pitchforks everywhere. Yep, that's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up next, we got a little bit of rock and roll. That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the Opening Drive, and we have your opportunity to win two tickets to see the Eagles with special guest Steely Dan on February 6th at the Enterprise Center. Don't miss out on the long goodbye final tour with the Eagles. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. Find all the ticket details and find a bonus chance to win free tickets for the show right now at either 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. Rock has a trivia question. If you would like to win those Eagles tickets. Yeah, we're going to go with texter number 38 to win these Eagles tickets. Like and it's pretty number. simple. Thank you very much. It's a pretty right, good number. Sure. And, <laughs> and I didn't pick it because of you, but I uh, like, that. Oh, sure I like that it works that way. Hey, you did. He's been it's taking okay. shots at us It's not day. a shot. It's a fact is not a shot. The reason why I picked 38 is because of the trivia Here question. Here's oh. why. The... He best. said, "Not because of you." Well, I'm, I'm just being but honest. That's not a shot. I guess you think I'm, this song I is about. I'm, so, I'm shocked that the host on the show want me to lie to the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Seems <laughs> like an odd. The host on the show wanna want me to lie. You think I said something different than hosts? <laughs> Did I miss the S and T? I missed this. My bad, Rolla. Um, so, oh, the Eagles <laughs> own the highest selling album in American history with 38 million copies. What was that number again, Carrie? 38. 38 <laughs> million number. copies. The Eagles own the best selling album in American history. <laughs> what is the name of that album? Text oh. number 38 wins tickets to the Eagles and Steely Dan. Steely you like that, Carrie? I like that number. That's a good number. But it's not for you, no, Carrie. No, okay? no, okay. Don't think it's the, about the, you. The hosts on this show. <laughs> That's what you guys are. You guys are hosts. I'm glad that we're hosts. Oh. And not what the other word you <laughs> called us. <laughs> By the way, the Eagles have two of the three highest uh, selling albums in American history. Number three is Hotel California, so that means that's not the answer for number one. Oh, no. Carrie, do you know what number two is? <laughs> yeah, Carrie, do you know what number two is? Michael Jackson's Thriller. Yeah, damn right, with oh, yeah. 34. Oh, yeah, I knew that. All right, well, I, I thought you were talking about the Eagles. No, no, no. I thought that's what he was talking no, about. No, no, that's what the trivia question is for the people is what, what number yeah, one is. Thriller, well, when did that happen? Thriller had been number one for... Thriller happened in 1982. No, I mean, when did it change from Thriller being number one to... Thriller was never number one really? because the the Eagles album that is the highest grossing album of all time is or highest selling album of all time came out for, came out a few years before Michael Jackson's Thriller. Oh, so yeah. Michael Jackson's apparently it might have been the maybe the highest grossing, but I, not I the so. most copies something. sold. Okay, so I I remember it being top on a list, but apparently not top on just the amount of album sales <laughs> total. Right. That's so are you saying Hotel Eagles California is, is not, not the, the answer? answer? Hotel California is the third highest well, these, gross, uh, sold tell album these people in American history. Line. Number Maybe. three, not number one. It's not if you're if you're if you're listing Hotel California, you are texting in the wrong answer. I'm trying to make this easier for you people. Okay, Google so helps. just repeat the question, the trivia question, one more time. <sighs> the Eagles 
have an album that is the highest sold album by unit sale in American history at 38 million units. What album is it? It's not Hotel California. That is third. Hotel California t- sold 26 million units. This is not Hotel Hotel well, California. This, let me this, tell you this, Rock. This album this sold point, 12 million more you units. You might as well just take the first person. because yeah. uh, <laughs> We ain't going to get uh, to 38. Yeah. Lord Almighty. Rock what, we, Rock, what do you got? Rock and roll. What, what do you have? <laughs> There's some very well, angry textures right Hotel now. Hotel California. Well, you did this, Rock. He just said the question. They didn't hear it properly. I heard the question. Thank you, Carrie. I got your back. Thank you, Carrie. No, when you're right, you're shots right. At me. Brooke is not happy with my uh, uh, how I've been presenting things. Well, today. you did kind of mislead the the audience in your text poll. It was kind of it was kind of it was if we were in court, that second. would be leading. Well, right? that, well, well <laughs> yes. uh, I don't see a judge. I don't see a bailiff. You don't see me. This ain't no courtroom. I put out a tweet earlier or an x however you want to call it uh, this morning carrie davis and i were shocked shocked i tell you to find out that the usually fun loving brooke grimsley refuses to eat breakfast foods outside of the morning hours it's so breakfast for lunch and dinner where do you fall there were two options waffles for dinner exclamation point yay or rigid breakfast timelines right now rigid breakfast timelines is losing 85 to 15 percent and you have an issue with my phrasing here is uh, the phrasing i said the usually wording. i said fun, uh-huh. i called you fun loving hold, hold on one second because here's the problem <laughs> I called you usually fun loving shocked okay uh, two two the usually fun loving so you're insinuating to the people who are participating well, in this poll that i'm already not fun for the decision and yes it's <laughs> yeah. a nice compliment it's a backhanded compliment when you say usually fun loving and, the then, and then and then last point you also put in the poll waffles for dinner exclamation point which is exciting rigid breakfast timeline like i'm fun. like in the military or something and i'm no fun <laughs> and then Hold i just on a second. Oh, you, you say you that and yet one of your reasonings for why you do this was because why? My Your dad, dad was a marine. marine. <laughs> so don't know. So don't act like why are you using this like military verbiage? But I'm just saying, I'm saying you're making it sound not fun. I and look, it's not rigid breakfast times. Like has have I dabbled in a pizza slice <laughs> in the morning? Yes. Have I dabbled in a late night waffle house session? Yes. But I'm just saying it's for my your, preference. It's not, it's not my Fine. preference. Fine. That's I, that's I just, it. I just have two questions. As I already asked you, you said if you were to eat chicken and waffles, you would eat that later in the day? Or you eat that for breakfast? Because it's presented on breakfast menus. Gotcha, okay. Then it's a breakfast item. Because I have one more there is plenty of breakfast menus that have steak chicken and, and waffles, and I love chicken and waffles. Carry your steak and eggs. Thank steak you. and eggs. That's on a breakfast menu, okay. so you could consider that. But what if, you I, have, what if, if I have steak and eggs? If it's on a breakfast menu, then it goes. Could you have goes. steak and eggs at 6 p.m.? I wouldn't personally do that. Okay, I just wonder. But this now, is. if the egg is on the rice, because I do like steaks with a side of rice, and then you put some egg on there with some seaweed. And soy sauce. Okay. All right. But it's different because that that doesn't make it breakfast at that point. I I think it just matters. Why are you looking at me like that, What I think, Brooke, is the time of day that you eat doesn't matter. To me, it does. I don't know. In terms of what the actual meal is called. Like I said, I've dabbled. You know, I've explored (laughs) a little bit with with some of these. I just have my Uh, preference of separating. uh, If it's on a breakfast menu, then it's a breakfast item. All right. I can respect that. I have to bring up one other thing, which was a few days ago, Adam Silver was caught up by TMZ. They had a question for him, and uh, he, he had a quick answer for them. Mr. Silver, how are you? Tell us all about Kim K and the NBA and the Skims collaboration. How did it come about? 
it came about because a guy named Casey Wasserman connected me to Kim and her partner Jens. And although I'm not going to show you, I'm wearing them right now. No way. Okay, so are they as comfortable as people say they are? Absolutely. I strongly recommend them to everyone. <laughs> Was this okay. a setup? Okay, Rock. <laughs> All right, Rock. All Sorry. I have to say is this, guys. Yeah. Although I'm not going to show you, I'm wearing them right now. <laughs> no way. Okay, so are they as comfortable as people say they are? Absolutely. I strongly recommend them to everyone. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Rock. That is, that, that's wonderful. You sent us the, the, the picture of the box of your skims <laughs> yesterday, and were, you were excited about yes, it. And what, did Brooke, excited. and what did Brooke say in the group chat? What did Brooke say? She said, <laughs> I said, <laughs> I'm talking in third person. Whether or not I had gotten the new uh, Skims nipple bra. Because there's a new <laughs> Skims there, nipple bra. I don't, know any, anything, I don't know anything about any of this. She has a nipple bra. Why do I need to? I don't. And that's <laughs> what Rock, and you know what? You need to go we check out the Air Alliance you know, cams and see... Rock really showing off that new addition to his closet. <laughs> he was he was thrilled he was about excited. it. Now. I will say that. I, I, I don't you can know. tell he's very thrilled about I, it. I don't know how this works. So soft. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. What are they? They're underwear. Yeah. Okay. That's all they are. All right. Cool. She came out with, and then she's working with the NFL because she has names. She, she has do more money. She has Skims, which are which is her shapewear. That mm-hmm. doesn't. And then she put out Hims, which are the Skims underwear for men. Yeah, it doesn't. And now she's putting like... out like shirt, t-shirts, you know, and have... like sweatpants with this oh, very okay. specific um, kind of uh, fabric and feel you, to it that are so comfortable. You gotta clip this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> What was he doing? I couldn't see it. I was going like this. But to Brooke's point, she also put out a a new thing where it's it's a bra, but it has synthetic fake nipples in there Uh so that if you want that look and it's not cold outside, you can still pull it off. And frankly, I respect that. And that's what you have. That's awesome. Yes, yes, because obviously this this studio is not cold enough. I need to make sure that when I really want to stand out on camera, Brooke, that I really just, I pop right out. He just wants everybody to know he's really excited. (laughs) Yeah. Without saying it. Yeah, we were all excited to know about skims. We are much. I mean, it's, we are much better because the of it NBA right now. Commissioner, not me. I don't know what you guys <laughs> we are, talking we are about. We are in a much better place than we were that, five was minutes ago. Was that an ad? It felt like that was like an ad. It, that felt really extremely hey, TMZ, set up. Hey, TMZ caught up with the NBA commissioner. I thought I'd share. It's a it's a business side in the second most popular league in the world. Am I not supposed to talk about that? Mm. God, you guys are crazy. Yeah, hey, that's well, awesome. You can add it to your Christmas list. There you go. Tell Rock and tweet out where where to get him from. I, I didn't open this get door. Yeah, Randy opened this door like a week ago, uh, right? That's wonderful. Brooke, I'm just closing. <laughs> I'm, I'm just closing it. Brooke, it has been an awesome day. It Have has a, been. been. How wonderful. about that? How about that? How about that? Rock, thank you for your participation. Audio, <laughs> pleasure. Video engineer. Carrie, you have had a great day. I have had a great day. What's your face? We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Coming up next. We have the yes. Who's yes. next? Uh, BK and <laughs> Ferrario. Who's in? BK and Ferrario are oh, up next. Tim McCurry and Ann is out for the bloom party, which means you get an extra hour of BK and Ferrario today. You get an extra hour of the opening drive with Randy Carricker tomorrow, and we'll have our our usual suspects, uh, Joey Vitale, in the morning. But also, stay tuned tomorrow morning. We're going to be joined by Mizzou running back Cody Schrader, obviously coming off his record-setting game against. Um, why am I blanking on the team they just beat? It Tennessee. was, in fact, Tennessee. There you go. I almost said, I almost yeah, said I LSU. About that, well, that was wrong. <laughs> Tennessee. See, bro, I'm trying to be nice to you. No, yeah. So, so, so stay tuned tomorrow. Cody Didn't Schrader and Joey Vitale coming up on a four-hour opening drive. Coming up next, the BK and Ferrario show. That's next on the <laughs> opening drive. Only. 101 ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.